Guess who's back? Welcome, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Renegade Detroit Investors Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Burgess, professional real estate investor, permaculture and urban farmer, curmudgeon, skeptic, and listing agent with the Dealer Group, Keller Williams. What is Renegade Detroit Investors? RDI is a local real estate investment and business group, and we meet monthly, every month on the first Tuesday of the month, with the exception of July. And this group's about networking and doing deals. So St. Your Grandma's Rhea, folks. No sales from the front, no smell of stale coffee, been gay, and or disappointment. No guru bullshit allowed. RDI is also this podcast where I, I mean, I says once a week, but it's kind of whatever the fuck I want to do it, right? But we're going to get back to once a week where I sit down with someone interesting and successful doing business locally, getting shit done when I pick their brain for your entertainment and education. And if you enjoyed this podcast, do me a favor. First, if you haven't already, go on iTunes, rate, and review. And then the next thing you could do is share it across social media. And if you're interested in attending any of the local meetings or you want to see everything else available, go to renegadedetroit.com, meetup.com forward slash renegade Detroit investors, or facebook.com forward slash Detroit Investment Club. You can also reach out to me personally, 313 600 2133. Or Jeremy at RenegadeDetroit.com. Legal disclaimer, in no way, shape, or form should anything that I and or my guests say be taken as legal and or investment advice. We highly recommend that before you make any investment decision or decisions, you contact a lawyer and or other licensed professionals. Be an adult. Don't sue me. Time for the Renegade Detroit Investor Show Quote of the Week. I try and pick a quote that sets a tone for the podcast and hopefully your week. And I always try and tailor it a little bit to my guests, too. And I went with something from Tim Ferriss this time. Someday is a disease that will take your dreams to the grave with you by Tim Ferriss. And let me introduce you to my guest, Mr. Todd Chun. Todd was a rifleman in the Marines for six years from 1990 to 1996. And before he joined the Marines, he played a little uh, basketball on some scholarships for some colleges. And he says that the Marines were the best thing that ever happened to him till this day. When he got out, he worked a few menial jobs before he landed somewhere for 23 years doing mortgages, home improvement, and investment properties. He wrote hundreds of mortgages, did hundreds of short sales, hundreds of sheriff's auction deals, hundreds of rentals in Detroit, collections, you name it, real estate related, he did it. Well, he got some sense in him and two years ago. Almost to the day, he decided to go out on his own, and since then, he has wholesaled, flipped, built a small rental empire, property management, and a ton of other stuff, figuring out as he goes. He's a Detroit Brightmore native, married for 20-plus years with two gorgeous kids and a beautiful wife. Welcome, Todd. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Jeremy. All right. Let's get this out of the way. I'm going to do it at the end, too. But if you're interested in Todd, go to bestinvestllc.com, bestinvestllc.com, Todd at bestinvestllc.com. If you want to email him or you can text him, 248-497-9195. All of this is in the show notes. And I'm also going to include his Facebook group link. It's a big, long, messy link. I love Facebook groups. I'm not talking about your normal bullshit face, you know, where it's just a bunch of spam. This is good stuff. He actually has good deals, good information he shares. So that link will be in the podcast as well. So thank you. What makes a man join the Marines, you devil dog? Oof. Um, you know what? Growing up in Detroit 
and um you know just hang in i actually like you said i played basketball for a small college a private school i had a scholarship at like a wayne state and my grades weren't very good so i would have been is that back when they cared about grades when you're a sports star Exactly. So I would have had to sit out the year proposition 48 or something like that. So I went to a private college, Spring Arbor. It was actually a college. It's now a university. But I had a scholarship there, played there for a year. Great time. But um, went back home after the first year, thought I could play somewhere else at Madonna College or University. And, of course, I didn't check into it, and they canceled their basketball program that year. <laughs> no! Yeah. Yeah, so went there for a little bit, went to school, craft for a little bit, and just felt like I needed a change going the wrong direction, and that's when... Well, was- wait, 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 wait. You can't just say wrong direction <laughs> and leave it at that. I mean, I have some idea, because I know you personally, right? right. But you were a young man, and uh, when you say wrong direction, what exactly did you mean? Hmm. Um, let's I don't see. don't don't list any yeah. crimes, right? But uh, <laughs> exactly. most of us have an idea what young males do when they wander. But yeah, I might have been doing a few things that um, could have got me in some really big trouble. How's that? That and, works. And I had enough sense at that time, somehow, or God smacked me in the back of the head, and and there was actually a gentleman just happened that day. He was wearing his Marine Corps uniform. And it just had a, you know what? I think I'm going to join the Marines. That's just, I had no idea what a private to a gunnery sergeant. I had zero idea what I was getting myself. I just heard the Marines were the best. And so I went to a recruiter's office. A little funny story is he told me if I joined the Marines, I was like, actually, I was 20 years old, I think, at the time. I could have a vet like him. And I was, you know, a young kid with nothing. And he actually had a Chevette. No joke. I found out later. That's what he drove in. But I joined the Marines, wanted to be a military police. And they asked me a question. How many times have I ever maybe um, did something like smoke? You know what I mean, right? Weed every day. I'll say it. Okay. (laughs) And I thought I'd, I'd give him a low number. And my low number was a hundred times. So military police was out of the question. They don't like that. I take that, right? <laughs> no. What would they do now with it legalized in so many places? I wonder if they even asked that question. Exactly. Yeah. So, but anyway, bad, like I said, bad choices, which turned into a good choice with the Marines. They gave me a choice, a cook or a rifleman, 0311. And I said, I can't come home to people and say, I'm in the Marines. What do you do? I'm a, a cook. cook. <laughs> That was my mindset. So it's gonna- funny because I'm on the other side. I joined the Navy and I went nuke, and I should have gone cook. If you realize how good the life of a now, I don't know about the Marines though. Maybe being a cook in the Marines sucks, but in the Navy, being a cook yeah. on a sub, nobody messes with you because you control their food. Yeah. Yep. Well, let's go back to this moment you had. Tell me more about this epiphany because I remember something similar. Mm-hmm. We have these moments in life, and some of them we remember. Some of them accumulate over time. Some of them I remember very clearly, like when I was in the Navy and I decided to clean up my life, right? And I decided to take control of my life. I remember it very clearly. Do you, was it that clear to you, that moment, to I need to do something different or I'm going down a bad path? Exactly. Yep, absolutely. It was um, 
it was it was like it felt like this. I seen this guy and I thought about it for like I do a lot of things. I think about it, and five minutes later, I'm in the recruiter's office signing that quick. That huh? quick. Dang. Went home. So there's something you saw in that Marine that you wanted that you didn't currently have. You right? know what? I just wanted a ticket out of Brightmore. Yeah. Out of Detroit. Out of West. So I was in actually at the last part. I think I was in Westland. I just wanted a ticket away from everyone that I was, you know, I was hanging out with. And to me, that was it. And um, I knew I was going to make it. I mean, either no, you can't, you know. Yeah, you're going to come out of Brightmore. What's the Marines going to do to you? Right, correct? Not, not much. Right. Yeah. Well, it wasn't <laughs> as easy as it sounds. But, you know, I, I, I think I went in a lot better because I was 20 than being 17, 18 years old. And, and I kind of laughed at, you know, a lot of things they did to other people and what they were trying to do to me. So that, that kind of was... That being 18, I probably would, it would have been a lot different, you know, but, and, and I had a year of college, which I was definitely not one of the smartest guys there, but they thought I was. So I ended up being a scribe in boot camp. I got a, you know, a few special privileges because of that, but, you know, oh, you got college, but really, I did. <laughs> I played, I, played I played basketball, basketball, smoked weed, and tried not to fail my classes. But thank you for this cherry-picked post. And, right? I, and just for the record, is definitely I 100% don't smoke weed <laughs> any longer. No, so no. I, I really probably shouldn't have shared all that. But you know what? I'm trying to, you know, maybe I could help someone else down the road. Well, no, this, I like these moments in life because I think some people, especially you come from a poor background. I come from a poor background, especially 2018 heading into 2019. Now there's a lot of whining about people about how life's not fair. And some of us have these moments in life where we decide to turn things around, right? Cause life isn't fair, you know? And I remember the same thing. Tacoma, Washington's not exactly Brightmore in Detroit, <laughs> But it's as close as Brightmore as you're going to get in, in Washington state. And I just want to get the fuck out of there. I want to get out of my parents. So I joined the Navy, you know, so I understand. I did that right out of high school though. So right. very clear. And it was an escape, right? And I assume they sent you all over the world, right? So what, what did being a rifleman in the Marines mean? What did you do? Well, um, we were actually, that's right when Desert Storm, um, came about. So we got, we ended up going to Okinawa or California to train. And then we ended up going to Okinawa and I was attached to a, um, a Hilo platoon and a hundred percent scared of heights and jumping, you know, jumping out of helicopters, fast roping, repelling. It's like not a good day for me. I remember in boot camp there in one of the obstacles, the A frame, we called it. And I kid you not. I'm at the top and I said, I'm not doing this in boot camp. <laughs> and so it's like my drill instructor's yelling at me, some big guy yelling at me, Chun, you better get the, mm, you know what? And as I'm coming, I'm going to throw you off. And I waited till he was about three. He climbed all the way up there. I waited till he was about three feet from me. And I finally figured it out. Either he's going to throw me off or I'm going to do off. it. Yeah. And then I did it. And then he said, Chun, come here. Guy, yes, sir, sir, yes, sir, whatever. And he says, you know, you know, he's like, what was that? And I said, sir, that wasn't shit, sir. You know, <laughs> do it again. So I ended up doing it like 10 more times. 
And was it easier after the first time? Oh yeah, it was. Yeah. It was that easy, you know. And I mean, I'm telling you, my leg was just shaking. You know, it was, it was just a moment. And of course, jumping out of the helicopters and things like that, it wasn't. I, I wasn't like afraid anymore. But man, I hated it. You could. I won't even go to Cedar Point. I, I just it's done just with me. that, huh? Yeah. Dude, it's yeah. so funny. I'm so bad with heights. Do you ever watch those videos of those Russian guys like playing on top of cranes? Like, as yeah. I watch the video, I could f- even sitting down, I feel my yeah. legs go weak, and I gotta yeah. like look away. I can't imagine of jumping out of a hell. It would probably take somebody yelling at me that they're gonna throw me yeah, out exactly. for me to do it. So you yeah. didn't enjoy that part. That wasn't cool to you. No, that wasn't cool to me, not at all. But you know. Now it is, like I said, I jumped out of a helicopter. I, you know, I, yeah, when you're younger, you feel like, you know, when you're telling people, what do you do? And, you know, it's just a macho thing, I, I guess. But we, then after we ended up in, you know, training for that, we ended up in going to Okinawa and then we went on a couple, the midway and we ended up going to the Philippines. We were replacing some troops there that then were going to Desert Storm, I believe. And then, you know, in the Marine Corps, what they do is they tell you 10 different times that you're going, get, get ready in the middle of the night. So you get, you know, you're sending out your letters to your family. Um, you're going to Desert Storm, you know, everyone, you know, and then they say, oh, false call. So when it really happens, it's like no one, yeah, right. You know, no one's worried about it and freaking out. Anyway, we ended, we're out. They kept saying we're on our way. We're next to go over there. And then the volcano erupted Mount Pinatubo in 91. And we ended up, ended up staying there. And it was one of the most beautiful places I ever been to. Then it became, it was just ash. There was nothing, you know, you couldn't even see. There was no more trees, monkeys jump. <laughs> they were lost. Hospitals in town were falling down and we're, you know, so. It was a lot of cleanup there and it just destroyed the place. And, and then from there, um, we ended up going back. We were there for a long time. We ended up back to Okinawa, back to California and things in that nature. So the volcano probably could have saved my life, you know, by not going there. And, um, but again, whatever, I would have been going wherever they tell me to. That's just yeah, what you we don't do. have a choice in the military, <laughs> do you? Although I would like to know your perspective. Because uh, I, when I joined the military, I was a Navy brat already, so I grew up all over the world. So different cultures, it wasn't such a shock to me. But to go from Brightmoor to Okinawa, what was that like for a twenty-year-old man? Or what were you thinking with it? Like, because that just seems like such a huge dichotomy, right? To leave such a right. poor area and such a different culture to something completely different. Yeah. It- Actually, especially being in in the Marines, I'm by myself. I got a paycheck coming in every day. I don't really have to buy my food. I don't have to do it. I'm like rich in my mind. I mean, if you have a thousand dollars, you're rich. And you go to town. You nothing. You know, especially in the Philippines, a beer, a sixty four ounce beer is like twenty cents. And you know, you have so much money. You have an apartment out in town. You have someone that does your laundry and folds it up nice and. And your boots, and it's just a crazy time. So uh, war's going on, and we're going crazy the other way. So it's just weird. But yeah, I felt rich over there. I could see how people go back there to live. You know. Um, well, I know you're kind of 
fixed in your food choices too. So how did you handle that in Okinawa with the, with the different food? You find something you liked? Yeah. I, I mean, they're probably the same things, you know, chicken, eggs, you know, the food in, in Philippines was the worst because all we're worried about is when we, after you train, you might go to an island and train for a week or two and you come back, clean up and, you go to town for two or three days. And that's all our mind was on. Everyone's mind was, you know, going crazy. So the food was horrible there. But when we're on the ship, San Bernardino, go to the Air Force Base, the food's the best. I mean, like. Dude, Air Force Bases are the best. The only thing better than Air Force Base is a sub underway. It's like the single advantage we have. I guess since the rest of our life is so miserable, they give us good food. But, yeah, I ate at some Marine (laughs) <laughs> no, no, you definitely want to go Air Force when it comes to that. I remember doing that in Germany when I went to uh, Stuttgart, Germany, and we went to – I can't remember which Air Force. might have been been Stuttgart. might have been someplace else. Point is, first time I saw an Air Force base, I'm like, what the hell they've been doing to us, man? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. Yeah, don't you wish you joined the Navy? See, I was a little smarter. I joined the Navy. See? Yeah, I was one of them. No Iraqi subs. <laughs> yeah, my problem with the Navy, I actually had a basketball scholarship for the Coast Guards right out of high school. And I could have went in the Coast Guards for played basketball and then became an officer. Before you know it, I could have retired. But I'm not a good swimmer. Never have been. And at the time, at 18 years old, I said, I'll never go in the military. That mm-hmm. was my mindset. And then too late, you know, a couple of years later, I'm in the Marines and I was one of the worst swimmers. That was my, that was the hardest part of boot camp for me was the swim qual with the, everything, your gear on and all that good stuff, man. Ugh. Yeah. No, you did pick the specific combat arms that specializes in an amphibious assaults, right? Yep. Which means you're going to be doing some water stuff. Yep, so. Yep. What is it you think the Marines provided for you so much that you still think that to this day it's one of the best decisions you ever made? Oh, definitely. You know, they have a tradition that that's the type of guy I, you know, that I never had or, um, I just love the tradition, the camaraderie. I mean, anytime I see a Marine now, Man, the first thing we do is we say, what's going on? No matter what they look like. How devil they dog. Look like, what's yeah. up, devil dog? And, um, and, you know, just, you know, just, it just changes the way you think and act. And I guess it could be bad in some cases for some people, but the, for me, um, I was just a change you know, person, I wasn't going to go, I knew I wasn't going to go do any type of drugs. Of course, we might've drank a little bit too much and went a little crazy there. And eventually that levels off too. But, um, I think that that's what I needed. I just needed that, um, discipline and just, a um, you know, someone maybe I didn't have at home telling me what to do. You know, you have someone you don't know uh, telling you what to do. It's 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 fine. You'll do it. <laughs> you know, and then you tell pe- other people what to do. So, yeah, I gotta say, for me as well, I think for a lot of young people, especially I would say young men, but young people in general, right? The discipline for me, and I tell this to a lot of people. And I wasn't even a freaking marine, right? Everyday sense has been easy, right? They were they worked me so hard in the navy. <laughs> 20, 21 hours a day for, for months that everything I've ever done in the civilian world ever since has been a piece of cake. And I can only imagine, 
I saw what Marines had to do, and that shit looked like it sucked. <laughs> so I imagine it's even easier for you ever since. For me, it provided like, oh, man, so not only did I get some discipline and learn how to learn, like everything else has been easy since then in comparison to how much it sucked. I don't think people yeah. realize how much it sucks in the military, <laughs> yep. especially as a Marine. huh? Yeah. I always tell people, you know what? They say they want to go into Marines. I said, I love the Marines. So glad I went. But if it was, you're my son and you wanted to go in the military, it's the Air Force, baby. You know, find something you could maybe, you know, I always had the mindset of, um, you know, working a nine to five job. So that's what I would tell people. Find something you could use. Now I wouldn't say that, but anyway, that you could use when you get out of the, you know, or stay in or, you know, get that 20 years before you know it's over. And, um, but just find something that you could use when you're out, you know, you're a civilian. Jumping out of helicopters has not helped yeah. you in your real estate investment career. <laughs> no. The, I carried my, my famous was the M249 saw. I figured, no one wanted to carry it. It was heavy, but I figured, you know, desert storms here. If I had to go over there, I want to be, that's what I wanted to carry. More than an M16, yeah. basically. A few exactly. grenades. Yep. I didn't really have a hometown, right? But you had a hometown from Detroit, from Brightmore, right? So when you get out of the Marines, were you just assume you were going to go back or? What was what was your thinking about coming back home and pursuing a career outside of the Marines? Well, yeah, that was my thinking. I was gonna come back. I, I just never had the thought that I could live somewhere else. I don't know why. Why I wanted to stay, you know, of course I didn't come back and move to Brightmore. Um, but pretty close. I was at West Chicago and Telegraph and eight mile and telegraph and or lived with my mother, you know, which was fine. Um, but you know, when you get a certain age, you can't, you know, be home apparently anymore. not anymore. Uh, yeah. Apparently it's just fine. But yeah, back in the day it was shameful. Right. I remember my parents like you turned 18. We're going to have your shit sitting out on the front porch, you know? Yeah. yeah. So I wasn't that type of adventurous type of person where, man, I should just go live in, like I probably would today. Um, you know, I'd go to Florida or wherever why whatever just hang out you know a lot of, that's what a lot of young people are doing is they're just traveling for months at a time and that sounds pretty cool to me now but definitely that's not you know i, I always thought that i would get a job um get married um if i made 40 grand a year and she made 20 grand a year we could live in a neighborhood that had sidewalks outside of detroit and and we would be we would be you know We'd be rich, you know, in, in my mind. That was my thinking. And, you know, did that. And then it wasn't, <laughs> forget this neighborhood. You know, we wanted, we didn't want the, that type of neighborhood. You know, things change, obviously. Well, yeah. And obviously you did find a wonderful woman and get married and have kids. But along the way, apparently you had some uh, menial jobs. What menial jobs did you have before you ended up working for this investment company? Well, um, I would work at, I worked actually as a security guard for a Kmart warehouse in Canton. And then I would work for a courier service city transfer at night. You know, I was working, I managed, um, started as a cashier at an Amico gas station. And then I became a manager and that type of, you know, if I was making 400 bucks a week, 500 bucks a week, I was thinking, I mean, I guess, I mean, I was making a living as in paying my bills. I didn't have a lot of bills, obviously. 
you know, wasting a lot of money, had no idea what an entrepreneur was. I had no, nothing. I was just thinking, what can, at my, at that time, I was just looking for, actually, I had a dream of, man, if I could wear a shirt and tie to work every day. And that, that was, I thought I made it again. See, just, I don't know why, just you know, stupid thinking, you know, and, um, well, besides today, you do wear a shirt and tie a lot of days. Like you dress nicer than me, a lot nicer. Suit sometimes even. Yeah. yeah. Look good. Yeah, that's um I do I I learned from what my previous um boss, um his father, man, he's a great really a great man. He taught me pretty much everything I know. And um but he taught me, you know, more all the sales. I never had no idea what sales was, but started canvassing for them, knocking on doors in Detroit. Everyone thought I was crazy, but it was actually a lot of fun. You know, that's what I was used to. And we were selling home improvement. So I'd try to get in the house and sell home improvement. But he taught me, you know, you wear a white shirt and tie. You have nice, clean shoes. You get your nails done clean, you know. And anyway, he taught me a lot of tricks and what to say, what not to say before all these other training Grant Cardone's and teach you, you know, <laughs> but well, what made you get a job with this company, right? Obviously menial jobs suck, but was, were you always interested in investing or was just, just the best thing around at the time? Well, I was looking for a new job and looked in the paper and they were, they were a smart company, a small mom and pa company. And they had an ad in the newspaper. It said warehouse work. Like 18 bucks an hour. I said, oh, I'm young. I'm strong. I applied for the job. You would have a lineup of a hundred people on a Saturday in front of their office. And it was just a trick to get, they didn't have no warehouse. They were looking for <laughs> someone they could train to canvas or sell home improvement and things like that. So they pulled me aside. I was probably the only one dressed in a tie. I, I didn't learn it. I must've learned it somewhere. Well, the Marines, obviously. And they knew, I, you know, I, yes, sir. And, you know, I was there on time and I, you know, they, they gave me a job. They, that's where I started working with them under a salesman. And I would can't, I'd be his front guy. I'd knock on the doors and get in the house and tell him, you know, my uncle, he's right around the corner and you, you know, well, you know, so your job was to get the foot in the door. And then exactly. call him, or was he yeah. waiting, or what, what was he the... was? Yeah, my job was to get my get you know find out, get in the door, um, give him one of my flyers, go over the flyer with him, and then ask him if maybe not now, but the next time you're ready to do some type of repair in your house, what would it be? And the flyer had a list of everything, doorbells, you know, whatever. It didn't matter, and whatever they say, if they said you know bathroom or kitchen or basement, I would get off my butt. We would go into the kitchen and we'll start talking about the kitchen. And then from there, it was, you know, my uncle, he's actually working with a couple of people that I talked to yesterday. He's going to be in the neighborhood after lunch and da, 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 da. And there it goes. And I would get him in there. So, so you actually started as a door to door salesperson, basically. Door right? door. That's old, old school right there. That's yeah. Door. Hello, Todd. You need home improvements, right? Exactly. Did you have a script and everything you had to memorize? Did they they have a playbook or did the salesman teach you? How did this? You know, yeah, you just, you watch a couple of guys do it. What I actually, you just got to 
No, I mean, I've not, my knuckles from knocking on security doors in the cold winter and all that. Um, I would, I had a little trick to it. I would whisper because they had security doors. They wouldn't open their doors and I'd whistle, you know, so they know I'm there. They look at me and I used to act, I used to present myself that I was the, like, they wanted to open the door to see what this crazy white kid is about. (laughs) What is he doing in my neighborhood? Right. And I would fling the mail slot, make a lot of noise. And then when they would come to the doors, I'd say, hi. And a lot of times we did have their names because we pulled the records of everyone. Hi. And then I'd whisper and they would have to crack open the door. Once they cracked open the door, I said, I have my flyer. I'm from the company. Here's my flyer. Is it okay to step in? And I'll just move my foot towards the door and I'd walk right in, take off my boots, go sit on the couch. And I'd say, come sit by me. Come on. Man, may I have a glass of water, please? And they'll go get me a glass of water. And it was over, you know, from there. And a lot of times I really was just trying to warm up. You know, wintertime, I mean, it was blizzard. We're out there. And, you know, so. Dude, I love that. How many doors a day? Did you have like a quota you had to do or? Yeah, we used to, um, a lot of times we went out with two people and, um, and we would run, yeah, certain, we'd, till lunchtime. And then after lunch, we would backtrack them, you know, try to catch them when they got home from work and things like that. And, um, yeah, so. So you'd go, you'd have a list before and you'd target the neighborhood, you would have a flyer, you would have names and you'd work in pairs. And the idea was you put the flyer in, but you're trying to catch them at home. You're trying to catch them at home. And one of the things that we did, we actually gave away a raffle, a 50 inch TV, and we actually gave it away. And that's the way you get in the house. That's the way you can um, get their phone numbers, whatever the contact. So when you couldn't not, you could call them, you could send them letters, you know, when it's really, you know, if you're not running the cause or you, you know, you're, you're caught making phone calls, you know, and then getting them on the phone and you know, I, this is tired. Remember me and blah, blah, blah. Okay. I'm seeing the sales funnel now, right? Starts with a list. Then you guys start door knocking. Anybody you talk to, you capture their information. Yeah. They don't sign up that day. You call them back until they do sign up. Right. Exactly. And you were selling basically mortgages then, right? Like refinances to do home repairs. That was like your way to get a refinance, right? No. When I first started with the company, they were just doing home improvement. Um, and they were financing most of the day, all of it, most of the time. That was the catch, right? And they were doing home improvements and they're probably running 25 jobs at a time, you know, um, had a few good salesmen, really old time salesmen. The guy that taught me everything, like I said, though, the older gentleman, he was the best in the business. He could, he could sit you down and before you know it, he, he knew how to undress you. I'm telling you, it was, it was scary. How long did you work underneath this guy? Um, 15, 16, 17 years. He passed away when he was in his nineties. He He was still selling in his nineties. Well, when he he was coming to work every day in his nineties. No, what a savage. Yeah. He was a savage. He, man, that was his thing. And I, I mean, he was like a dad to me. So. Yep. You know, people like that, that's like watching geese fly or something <laughs> like that, right? They're doing exactly yeah. what they're supposed to be doing, and when they're doing it, it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's hardcore, yeah. right? So you learned on a real pro for years. Yeah, and I didn't even know what I had, you know, at the time, obviously. And he um, he molded me. He might have taught me some things that I probably 
maybe are against, you know, you kind of get brainwashed in a sense, you know, because you don't know any better and it looks good that, you know, you got a millionaire teaching you this and that and, and that's what you want to be. And I mean, he, I think everything he did was sincere. I really truthfully do. So, and I worked hard for them. So he 100%. sold with a lot of integrity even back in the 100%. day. 100%. Yeah. That's, oh yeah. He, that's exactly. I mean, you go in a house and if the, he had his, he was setting his old time ways. So if you're the salesman, you're a salesman, you're in the house, a husband and wife, and the guy's wearing a hat. If he didn't knock it off the guy's head. Oh my God. Or he said, you know, or he wouldn't sell the home improvement. I mean, he was kind of. Just old, old, old. That's rude. So he's going to pass up on a, sta- on a, a sale. sale because some guy a would. gentleman's wearing a hat. Yeah. Inside, some, like I'm doing right now. Kind of like what you're doing. <laughs> but back in the day, I guess, uh, older junk, they just didn't do it. You know, they just knew. You could just tell. Sometimes you probably go into a house and you could just, you just, you got to make those quick decisions. You know, I would, I'm the type of guy, I'm going to try to get to sale. I would comment about the hat. I love the hat. <laughs> you know, whatever. I'm not going to let a hat get between no, me and a no. sale. But right? you're the owner. Yeah. It doesn't matter. You know, or he's just teaching me a lesson, right? Who knows? Or after your first several happen. million, maybe your values, your hat values yeah. <laughs> are higher than your money values, right? Like, I'm going to yeah. draw a line in the sand on right. this hat thing. Just flick right. it off their head. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go off on a tangent here because I've noticed this with a lot of investors, but some of the best people I know worked for other people. And I think there's a stigma that when you become an investor, you go out and you do everything on your own and to have a job or work for someone else is a bad thing or a scene negatively. And I didn't work 16 years for some amazing person, but I did two years with Steve Londo, mm-hmm. still the best closer in person I've ever seen. And that was two of the best years of learning that I, I ever did. And yeah, it was his company and I was absolutely working for him and he made all the decisions. And I feel like a lot of people think of that negatively. And here you had 15, 16 years with somebody who had, I'm, I'm guessing 60, 70 years sales experience, if oh, not more. Yeah, absolutely. He That's did. like a master, right? Yep. So you were yeah. like an apprentice under this master salesperson. Right. And I was at that time, I was at the point where I had a, you know, they treated me well. And, um, I kept getting promoted and, um, you know, so I worked hard for them. You know, I treated it like it was my business and they appreciated that. I appreciated them. And, um, you know, I was like my number one thing. I, I'm, you know, kind of like I work hard now. I mean, that's where I kind of, I mean, that's where I learned. That's all I know pretty much. I don't know if I learned that from them or it's just my, I think that's just the way I was built. You know, even if I was working at McDonald's, I would want to be the manager or own it. Or I'm, I'm at the time, I wouldn't want to own it. I just would want to run it. You know, yeah, but now, no. Yeah, now, no. We're getting to that. Let's not go too fast because you started by just selling home improvements, right? Correct. Or yes, canvassing for the. I never became a salesman. I always canvassed for someone. And then what they did on their own, the salesmen were actually upset. The salesmen I worked with that were there for years, the old other old timers, um, they moved me into the office, into the collection side of the business, and I ran the collections. And for a short time, I did that. And um, how does that go? Because that that scene, I mean, it's still sales from a certain perspective, right? But obviously, the gear shift. 
right? Right. You get the I same w- training like when you go on the sales, like, okay, this is how you get this is how you get people to pay. Yeah, it was um they had they had the system already and um we had a certain way how we did the the letters, the calls. We actually had couriers that came to the house and picking up payments. I mean, they did, we just had it down to a science. And and then from there, it was, you know, I ne- I always had the mindset, I can't be in the office because they got my old times. The other salesmen didn't want me to go there, put it in my head that, oh, you're going to get ruined in the office, you know. That's hilarious. Right? So, so there's they, two cultures going here, that, right? Yeah. Like you got to be in the field and if you're in the office, you're going to, right. okay. So that's how it was there. But then I started running the office in a sense and and then we got into then the mortgage business. Everyone became a broker. Every a lot of people were becoming brokers. And you're be able to make killer money on refinancing a house. You know, you're making ten points in the front, five points in the back. This is before the crash, obviously. This is, so is pre two thousand seven. Oh, yeah. 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 This is before the crash and so we got into the mortgage business and that's when I was trained probably two days from somebody <laughs> who taught me. And we used to go to the, when we had some tricks, we didn't ask for appraisal money where a lot of people want, didn't, you know, they had to, else they would go out of business. You do 50 deals in a month and you have, you know, $400 or 300, whatever an appraisal was back then. Um, Per deal that you had to pay, and then half of them didn't close, you know, or whatever it was. So we didn't ask for appraisal money. We made it as easy as possible, and we went to their house. So would you call and set the appointment, then go to their house? So okay, so there was a sales component. So now you're instead of canvassing, we're calling. You're calling to set an appointment. We 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 were the first ones, in my opinion, to invent the green postcard. Man, did we make so much money off of a green postcard that looked like a tax card or something like that. So we used to get the green card calls, and then we had a telemarketers that would call the list, and all their job was just to get someone that might be interested and turn it over to me. And the guy that taught me everything would sit right by me, and he loved making. He would be the ones that made the leads. Him and I. So I learned how to make leads from just what he said. I became a just a a clone of him, of what I said and how I said it, because he's there listening to me, and I know exactly what he's going to say. And then after the phone call, if I said something wrong, he would or he would train me up, he, or he just wanted to train me up. He didn't even if I said it right, but you know. He just he just knew how to push my but my particular buttons to keep me moving upwards, you know, and better or building my confidence, I guess you would say. So, but yeah, we made ten, um, nine o'clock appointments was our first one. Usually nine, ten, eleven, twelve, one, two, three, four, five, six, eleven appointments, six thirty, eleven appointments a day, and you have two people on the road that was 22 appointments and then we had to get another person which was we were running like 33 appointments a day on the best type of days and then um we were running crazy and then i instead of being inside i started only inside for the mornings and then i would run night calls and then i just started running all the calls with them and it was it was it was pretty easy you know that's how i learned the streets i knew how to get from one side of town to the other side of town in no time cuz you know and i knew 
if I didn't have a deal, I was out there so fast. My bag was packed. I was being nice, shaking their hands, and I was out to the next call. Or if I'm writing a deal, I stay as long as you have to stay. And you make sure you get your W-2s or two pay stubs, this and that. We had a printer. We actually had a in the back of our car, if we had a right now lead, it would come to our car and it would print out the credit report. That's genius. Oh, this is back this when is it back was hard. Yeah. yeah no one it took this, money to do that. The air cards or whatever they called it. So, um, yeah, we first started with Nextel or those walk. They had CBs in the car and then it came to the bag phones and then the walkie talkies. And then so you did CB phone. deals. <laughs> That uh, right is when hilarious. I started, they had CB. I love and, yeah, that. I love absolutely. that. Yeah. Now we guys got this amazing cell phone everywhere we oh, go. If we had that, I got an nice. iPad Pro in front of me. Right. Yep. You got one too. And and back then, yep. I remember those cards you're talking about. Yep. For those listening who are young, they used to have these these a special card slot. I can't remember what it was called, but you would slide in your wireless modem. Mm-hmm. I had one, so you could be able to access information when you're on the road and you guys tied that to a printer and printed in your vehicle huh? right oh i forgot when i first started there we had beepers that's how they would beep you i knew where every working payphone in the city of detroit was and i that i could drive up to because you gotta be safe right and i didn't carry a gun then and so i i would drive up and you call the office and then that was that was one and then you know so that was the beginning so you know what that reminds me of? Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, when they have to keep going back outside to the pay phones outside yeah. the restaurant. They're yeah. doing their calls off the pay phones. <laughs> I love that. Calling the office, bitching at the office. Mm-hmm. It's funny you say you do an appointment an hour because that's something I also learned from Steve. It's not just to set a good appointment and then go on the appointment, but to work fast enough that you can do an appointment an hour and to book yeah. your appointment smartly. Yeah. Although I never went on 11 appointments a day. I think I had some eight, nine appointment days, but that seems amazing to me that you could go on that many appointments in a single yeah. day. And you did that every day for uh, weeks. For, huh? Yeah. Yeah. That was, um, I don't remember a lot of those th- th- days, to be honest with you. And obviously my wife probably doesn't remember me that much <laughs> either. It was crazy yeah. working hard and, uh, or to me it was, I'm that type of guy. Um, I mean, for her, it probably was pretty tough, you know, and money is better. You know, we we're just starting out. I had a company car, company gas, insurance. That was nice. Um, and I had my, my routine. I go in the house, shake their hand, da da da, find something on the wall, talk about it, show them a picture of my wife and my two babies. And, and they, they just, oh, I was in the Marines. Everything was exactly the same. And that's how I, you know, it was not exactly, but pretty much exactly the same. And then I'd get the paper out, go over the credit, blah, 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 list all their bills on one side and this and that. And I could do this, 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 and this. You're saving this, this. It was that simple. And you're, so there's a system. A, it was a, it was a system. I was, I figured it. Yeah. I should have realized now, but yeah, they had, we had a system of how to sell it and lot and put them in that, you know, in your box or whatever you call it. And, um, drinking a glass of water. I drank water in every house. I went to the bathroom in every house. <laughs> and the reason I went to the bathroom, then I could look at more of the house because you can't go in the basement and stuff. It didn't work like that back then. Um, but by going to the bathroom, you could see a little bit of the house and things like that. And so the appraisals were crazy. 
back then. We were getting in Detroit neighborhoods that I could buy for ten grand now, or fifteen grand. They were selling for a hundred grand. Are you saying there was fraud in mortgages, Todd? (laughs) (laughs) I think the cat's out of the bag on that one. Yeah, yeah, that's what we crashed, right? But yeah, so we're getting appraisals like crazy. I mean, we weren't. Of course, we didn't. You know. They were just, it was just, it was a crazy time. You know, we weren't, we didn't have any appraisers on, you know, that we were buying or anything, but we just knew you you were able to pick your appraisers. We had some good appraisers, right? And they were getting comps in the neighborhood and they were just crazy numbers. And, um, and they, but they were given, you know, people that probably had a 550 score, 500 score were getting refinances, you know, probably shouldn't have. I remember. I remember I was part of the problem and uh, then part of the solution later too, right? Depends on where you're at. It's funny though because that's something – I lived outside of the United States basically from the time I was, what, 10 to 17. So I – and growing up in a military family, I didn't even understand what an economy was because you just got paid every two – you know, you got paid twice a month. No matter what, no matter what the economy and everything was so stable, I didn't understand. I didn't under, I didn't even know historically what mortgages should have been. So when I was going through this in the 2000s, I was so dumb. I thought that was normal. And that's probably, that's part of what ruined my first business because I thought this was normal. I thought this is just how you got a mortgage, right? right. That's how dim witted I was and how little I knew about the economy and mortgages. So. So you guys are just writing shit tons of mortgages, right? right. Making yeah. money hand over fist. Yeah. Obviously, we know what happened, right? Um, yeah, that well, came to an end. Came to an end, and um, let me interrupt you. Yeah. Was it as abrupt as it was on the real estate side? Because I remember, I remember June two thousand seven, killing it. July two thousand seven, nothing worked, and I just started bleeding money like a stuck pig. Was it that stark for you on the mortgage side? It was, yeah. It it was like all of a sudden, one, the last, like in November, um, in November, I remember some lenders, we had a bunch of deals we were waiting to fund. And um, they said, go ahead and fund them. Don't worry. And we didn't fund them because we wanted to wait till the money was there. And thank God we didn't because the money never came. All the biz, all the big companies, I, I probably won't say their names, but they, they were gone. Yeah. And all the, I'm telling you these, um, yeah, what were the reps for these mortgage companies were making three, four, five hundred thousand dollars a year. And all of a sudden they lost their jobs and they all became insurance people <laughs> or, yeah, right. I yeah. mean, that's just, it was crazy how I felt. You know, so, and at that time I was actually the vice president of the company and I was pretty good at letting people go. I learned over the years, I had a system to that and they loved me for it and, or the people that I fired were, loved me when I fired them for some reason. I had a way of doing it. Hey so. man, share with us. This is a podcast, right? <laughs> Walk a, a lot of people don't like firing people. Oh, I right? hated it. I hated it. How I did you how did you fire him? Walk I us used, through your man, path, man. I used the same thing every time because I didn't want to get any you know, someone suing you for the I never gave him a reason. My reason was we're going a different direction. Um, you know, but if there's anything you need, um if you're looking for another job or if you need a referral, 
anything, just please have them call me. I'll write you the greatest referral letter. How do you say no to that? And it, it was always on a the certain Friday. Right I like it. No lunch. cause though, too, right? No cause. So there's a strategy, right? Did you ever have? Yeah. Did you have to pay like unemployment insurance or anything like that? Oh yeah, they yeah. yeah. We had a few people. No matter even if you they did something wrong, and if they did something wrong, if they filed for unemployment, they got it. It was crazy. It wasn't fair, but you know, it is what it is. That's, you know, so, but anyways, we had like 24, we had a bunch of, um, processors at the time. We had couriers, we had some collection staff, loan officers, um, probably had 25 employees that we had to let go somewhere around there. And then the left standing was me. Um, someone else has been there for many years. Another guy has been there for many years and that was it. And um, then we shifted gears, went into the reverse mortgage business, and that's where I learned how to explain I, what a. I know what a reverse mortgage is, but explain what a reverse mortgage. A lot of people, about half the people, know what we're talking about, right. and about half of them don't. So. Well, a lot of people when, when they first hear the word reverse mortgage, don't do it, don't do it. It's actually, to my opinion, maybe because I wrote a lot of them, um, I think it's a great thing. It's where a senior citizen, um, the older you are, the more you get. You know, you get a percentage. Let's say you're 65 years old and your wife's 50. If you get a reverse mortgage and die and you're older, they're going to lose their house. So you can't do it unless you're both are over and they go off the youngest person's birthday. So if the youngest person's 65, house appraises for a hundred, you might be able to get $58,000. You know, whatever the formula was. I don't know what it is today. This is back in the day, but the 58,000 would pay off any liens if they had any, and the rest of the money is theirs. All right. A lot of times they could, or they could collect it in payments every month. So lump sum payment. You get a lump sum, you get payments. The only, the only thing you have to live in the house for, it has to be a primary residence for at least six months out of the year. Um, you have to pay your own insurance and taxes. And that's pretty much it. And you could sell it at any time. You just got to pay off the reverse mortgage. You know, it accumulates because you're never making a monthly payment. So it'll, every month it might go up, you know, it might be a 5% interest rate that it goes up. But, you know, a lot of kids got in the way because that's my house, you know, yep. that's my house. And to me, um, it was, I was at the mindset, you know, um, you know, my mother and father got a reverse mortgage and my mom still is in the house. My dad died and um, they paid off their mortgage and all they do is pay their taxes and insurance and whatever. You know, I'm God forbid my mom passes away. I'm going to buy it at the foreclosure auction. There you go. <laughs> it's actually a good loan for equity rich, but. Cash flow poor seniors, right? How can exactly. I stay in my home? Yes. Yep. But still get some money. So it's like an asset. Right. It's like right. an asset based loan and they're kind of like rolling the dice on how long you're going to live, yeah. right? Like actuary as well. Right. And then a lot of, a lot of times, um, yeah, exactly. So, and a lot of times the kids, you know, instead of, they might not be able to help mom, mom or dad or they, you know, or they're not going to. Yeah. They just want to live with mom. Unable or, or unwilling. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. So, that was a trick. And like I said, I was licensed in nine states because, you know, you go to Maryland, um, you go in those type of areas, you're not dealing with $50,000 houses. You're dealing with 200,000. Chicago, Illinois, I was, I mean, I was licensed in the good states where, 
it was easier to do. Are you implying that Michigan is not a good state? <laughs> no, 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 no. At the time, the, no, I get what you're saying. That's a problem with yeah. yeah. So the thing I love about Michigan is the thing that sucks about Michigan, right? The affordability here is amazing. Like I don't know, there are too many major cities you can live in so cheaply and get access to so many great things, right? Right. The downside is, yeah, the values aren't like California or some of these other states, right? right? So it's kind of like right. a little give and take. Like, right, just right. I have to sign a shit ton of listings to make a decent living. Right. If I was to do even a fraction of these listings in California, not only would I make more money, but I'd be able to do less work. So some of this yeah. is kind of dependent on where you live, too, right? Yep, yep. Me personally, that's one of the reasons I moved here. I couldn't believe how affordable Detroit was. Right. And out in the Midwest yeah. in general. It's amazing to me. Right. But yeah, right. if you're writing mortgages, you want to be writing them in California. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And and that's where I actually learned that my last name, um, Chun, um, sounds oriental. And um so I were sending out letters and putting my name on there and I wasn't getting any phone calls at all. And we're like, what is going on? And so just changed my last name to Todd Vernon, which is my middle name, and put a picture on the letter. My phone rang off the hook. It's okay. I'm white male. <laughs> you can trust me. Exactly. I'm was, kidding, you fuckers. Yeah. Just but kidding. I'm for, it's, it's, sad, it's true. But it yeah. is what it is. And I learned that then. So when I went into on my own, I was Todd Vernon. But now I don't care. Because it's not, it's not affecting me one way or the other. And nobody so gives a shit when you're buying, right? Buying or, or, or if they're buying good deals. So yep. it doesn't matter. And so that, that's just a story to that. I mean, that's my last name. And I always had to explain my last name. And, you know, it's not this, it's this. And, uh, you know, so. So there's a little, you're just, you're suggesting there's some Asian discrimination out there amongst consumers when it comes to hiring someone, right? There, there, there is. If you're in the reverse mortgage business, yes. Vernon, Vernon, what is, I guess, yeah, it's age specific, right? Well, I'll tell you yeah. one thing. My grandpa never got over the Japanese in Pearl Harbor. I won't say what he said, but he was a Japanese prisoner of war. And okay. some people don't get over that shit. Yeah. My grandpa was there too. He hated their guts to the day he died. Right. And they could do no right. And we should have just, you know, got rid of all of them. Like some people are just like that. So I understand, yeah. I understand that part. That's yeah. interesting at that age bracket. You would have to do that. I remember when we first met, I was confused because you gave me, was it Vernon? Where's that from, by the way? That's my, that's my middle name. I was named after my mom's uncle or something like that. Is there cultures? Because Chun obviously is Asian. Yeah, Chun is no. It's two ends is some is an Indian. Oh, okay, it might be like Cherokee Indian, or I always say Cherokee, but I think I got that wrong too. Uh-huh. I don't really, you know. Are you like Elizabeth Warren, one thousand twenty fourth percent Cherokee? <laughs> right. And then my dad. So Chun is my mom's maiden name. My real dad that I really don't know at all. He, I definitely don't know, but it's funny. Listen to this. He owned his last name is Lee, L E E, like Bruce Lee. Yeah. <laughs> but he was a straight hillbilly, <laughs> cowboy, whatever. <laughs> kind of like my family, bred indiscriminately across the entire world. Who knows where they're from? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So uh, he, he owned, yeah. So anyway, that's kind of funny. So. I don't know if I ever had his last name or because I think that that was like a divorce, like when I was born, maybe because of me. <laughs> you ruined it. <laughs> I ruined it. <laughs> By being born. Yeah. 
So you end up doing reverse mortgages. How long did you do reverse mortgages? A couple of years, year? Um, yeah, probably a couple of years. And it, that was actually a tough business. Was that call calling? Was that direct mail? Was that door knocking or combination? It was more combination, no door knocking. It was more cold calling and um, referral based and direct mail. That's, that was it, you know? So I am seeing why you took off. You basically had a 23 year sales training lead generation, like multiple. So you do home improvements. So you learn what shit costs. You do home loans. So you, you, you learn about values and sales and closing people. You do reverse mortgages. So you're helping that part. So you're kind of getting like, as you go along more and more bricks, Yep. And this whole real estate business, you're just learning more and more parts about it over time, right? Right, right. Yeah. Right. And then after the reverse mortgage, we went back and then the, every, you know, the crash was going on. Then I became a real estate agent or licensed under the broker just so I could get on the MLS. And then I could buy all the short sales around. <laughs> so, so your boss, obviously this, and this is the old guy, right? The ninety-plus-year-old. And and his his son started running the business when the after the when during the mortgage side of things. That's why, you know, the old-time salesman with the home improvement was his thing. And then he's let his son um, step in, who you know, so he ran it, and they ran it together. Let's say, but it's you know, good father training his son and his son's doing his thing and doing a great job. And, um, so he's the one that got into the mortgage business, the reverse mortgage business, but the dad always owned rental properties in Detroit section eight, and they sold all of them before the crash. So that was so, so brilliant, you know, and then they started buying again. That's why I always say I'd rather be lucky than good. People underestimate. You definitely want to be good all the time. So I'm not suggesting that you be bad, but also luck does play, right? Because you never know the top of the market till it starts going down. But some people get lucky. This guy might have been actually legitimately good, too, because he's been around so long, right? Yeah. Was this top down every time the market changed? He changed the business and said, we're doing this? Or was it like bottom up as well? No, they they had the vision to feel things you know you know how people you know the son was more of a numbers guy they just see what not when the things are started changing they figure out how they could shift you know and we got to do this we got to do that and they you know they shifted and um it was great my income got shifted downward and then that's when um I realized at that point, you know, that, you know, they just had too much control of my life, you know. It's interesting that you say that. Sorry, my iPad came loose. For some reason, I'm having a sound problem here. Let me figure this out, too. Let's go. So you become an agent and you start doing short sales right. stuff. I remember that. When was that? What year did you start doing short sales? Um I bet you it was right after we were doing the reverse mortgages and then we started doing the buying also. Probably, I'm not really, like I said, it's kind of a blur, but it wasn't that much, you know, when all the 2010, I think it might have been something like that, 9, 10, 
That's when, I mean, they were just all over. You could buy a Redford house that brick ranch in a nice, really nice neighborhood. Now we're getting them for 20 grand. And these were all turning into rentals, correct? Yes. Rentals. Yeah. Okay. So he, he shifted to just buying rentals for himself. Do you guys sell anything or just straight yeah, up rentals? Just straight up rentals, rental portfolio, beautiful brick houses in East Point. Um, so you of would course, target Detroit. Them? Yeah. Red- we were targeting okay. East Point, Redford, Detroit. And, um, that was pretty much our, our area. Hmm. We wanted that 1200 square foot house, a thousand to 1200, three bedroom, easy, no work. And a lot of times if someone was living there, we, they were stay there, you know, you just picking them all off the MLS or how are you all off the MLS? Yeah. That's just what they were I taught. Did the same thing for yeah. years. Yeah. Why would you have to do anything else? Yeah. yeah. I didn't know you, there's any other way of doing it. I did before a little bit, but I got started in 2005. So the REO thing happened almost immediately and I gave up on it because yeah, why would you do that? I remember there being 7,000 REOs in Metro Detroit at one point in time. Man. You didn't have to mail anybody. He was like, which one do I want to buy? You know? Right. And I had no idea that there was other investors out there because I I was in my little box with the company and I thought we were the smarter than everyone else. (laughs) We had no, I had no idea there's people, you know, investors out there that were fixing and flipping and buying and renting. I thought we were just good at what we did. (laughs) You You know, know, it's, it's funny. You, it's funny you say that because that's actually the reason I moved to Detroit. I lived in a, Basically, Pullman, Washington, so Washington State University and wheat farmers, right? So wheat, not weed, wheat, wheat farmers. I was surrounded by freaking miles of wheat and college students, right? Mm-hmm. And there's nobody to talk about real estate. And yeah, I was dumb and young too and thought I knew everything too, but I know I need to talk to people, which is one of the reasons why I moved. And yet you were living in the city. No idea. Didn't talk to anybody. But no, was you, you were your old school guy. Did he not believe in sharing or meeting or like hundred yeah. percent, yeah. man? If I if I would have told him I'm going to go to a renegade meetup, it would have been in my mind. I would have got. I would have been gone. You know. So I it just had a, you know. It's like I said. They just controlled over the years you just get controlled without even knowing it and again i'm not talking bad it's just the way it was and i appreciated that because i learned a lot and everything i'm I'm here today because of that all those experiences all the things i was taught and learned i owe them a lot so 100 percent. so obviously you're doing this over a long period of time right have wife have kids doing all sorts of weird things, selling home improvements, doing refinances, doing reverse mortgages. Then now you're doing short sales. You're actually involved in the real estate. You're licensed just to get access to the MLS, right? Correct. I want to spend a lot. I know. We've been, so we've been working up for an hour to get to here. And I like doing this because it sets the groundwork. Cause I think people think Todd woke up one day and everything was fucking handed to him. Right? Like I, I think some people get this idea, like it's not fair. It's not easy. Why is it so hard? Like they just have no idea what happened before to actually get you there. But you did this for a long time for someone else. You are essentially at the end of these 23 years, 
know every almost every aspect or every aspect of the business, right? right. And you're doing it for someone else. What kept you from going out and doing it on your own earlier? Ooh, again, I I didn't know there there was it was out there, you know. And and the income I was paid well. They treated me really well. And um and I had I was at the mindset where where can I, someone with like myself from Brightmore without a degree because I was always thinking that was what it had to be could and they might have taught me that too could go anywhere else and and make the and make a living like I and and it was enjoyable working there you know I'd be honest you know I felt like I was part of something um, kind of like the Marines so with all that said then it got to a and then once the money aspect the income which changed my um my livelihood is pretty much i you know when you're struggling for uh, everyone was struggling that's when people were trying to do short sales on their own houses and you know i was and you know i was struggling and again you can't go to them and ask for more money that they taught me that many many years ago that just didn't you just don't do that you'll get fired pretty much i've seen it happen and i've probably fired a few people because of it so so the culture of the company was if if no matter what even if you added insane value if you go ask for more money it was disrespect. Take a hike. It was I my it was kinda like a disrespect because they're gonna give it to you. And again, they treated me well and I got a lot of good things coming. But so but they didn't know when I was working after work, working another job, before work, weekends, I was working twelve hours a day, wherever I could find work to make things ends meet. What were you doing? Man, I was washing dishes. Um I was look I couldn't I couldn't uh, to this day, wait, wait, I, wait! I gotta go. So you took a step back down to washing fucking dishes and shit like that, or whatever I could find. Yeah, anything, right? anything. I mean, if I could clean a house for, or or anything, um, you know, just to make extra money. I'm trying to think because I was, oh, I was, I was working with some handyman, and I'm the most unhandy man there is. <laughs> but I could do clean outs. I could clean a house. I got Windex, whatever, however way I could find anything. You know, so, and it was, I was, you know. How long did you do that? For a long time. I don't know. Year? Two years? Yeah, yeah probably. No, nah, probably not two years. It kind of got to a point. Um, so basically, your pay got reduced. You had to go do all this extra work, and it became so uncomfortable for you that you started to consider doing something different funny thing yeah i had that aha moment or kind of like the marines then one day dan merrill came on the radio i'm fixing and flipping houses come to my free seminar and i went to that and um it was like on a wednesday night and you pay 200 bucks you could bring a friend for the weekend or some or friday saturday and sunday and they knew all of course they're good at what they do they knew all the tricks if you can't come on a friday how you know you you got you know and I had to then figure out how I'm gonna not come to work on a Friday because I never in years took days off, never never took vacations because I wasn't built that way. I didn't need that. I'm, I'm still that way, and it's not right, but that's the way I am. But anyway, so I figured out how I could, I, I I made some story, and I felt horrible. Here's you know, I'm, I'm feeling bad because I don't lie. I don't, you know, but I made a story because I couldn't tell him I need the day off just for any reason. 
because they want to know why. But anyway, took the day off and they changed my mind. My, my I went click, started Googling stuff, found what out. What year was this? What year was this? This was in 2016. Okay. 2016. And, um, that, and I think that was more like fix and flips and things like that. And I just figured I could do this myself. Um, I could fix a house. I could, of course, I can't fix it. I could get it fixed and flipped. And we, um, then I found out about you, Renegades. The first one I went to, um, was a coffee shop when you had it in the coffee shop. Man, you said the right things where you better come up here if you, you know, no matter what, you're a piece, you know. So I'm, I, I didn't go up there, I'll be honest with you. It did not go up there. I met my partner, Tommy O'Neill, at the first one, and we started talking about Detroit. And, um, and it's kind of like, I don't know if he believed me because I would say, Oh, I know this. I know this. Oh, I've been here. I know these streets. At that time, I knew every zip code. The only part of Detroit that I'm not good at was Southwest Detroit because my boss never worked Southwest Detroit. For some reason, that wasn't his thing. We never worked downtown. We always worked everywhere else. And so we had our little, everywhere, everywhere else is a lot, you know, in Redford and all the outskirts of Detroit, we worked, you know, um, Harper Woods and, you know, all those areas. So anyway, so met Tommy O'Neill. He kind of put it, put it right to me and said, dude, what the heck are you doing? <laughs> you, are you freaking crazy? And then we started talking. We, you know, we didn't even, he didn't know me. I didn't know him, but we just connected. And, um, again, I'm not going to do anything that while I was working there that I wasn't going to steal or any deals or anything like that. So I didn't, you know, um, but I knew that at the time we started working the auctions, you know, a few years prior and we would go to the auction. This is the sheriff's auction, right? So, so half the people don't know what that is. So let's take a second. You go ahead. You know it better than anybody I know. Explain why there's a sheriff's auction in Michigan and how it works. Just okay. real quick. It doesn't have to be super detailed, just so they know what you're talking about. Yeah, the sheriff's auction is a weekly foreclosure, mortgage foreclosure auction. And it happens every week. And um, when someone doesn't pay their mortgage, there's a process, you know, you get notified four weeks and then after the fourth week, it goes to sale at the live auction. And, and I even forgot about the tax auction. Prior to that, we were buying 30, 40 houses for $500, beautiful houses at that auction and renting it to the people that were living there. That was a huge business. So we were doing that at the tax auction. That was you know, with the, so yeah, for people listening, there's tax deed states and tax lien states. Michigan is a tax deed state. We also have redemption rights, which is the number of months after they foreclose that you could actually redeem and pay your mortgage in full with penalties. And these auctions occur at the county level once a week. And in tax auction, instead of a tax lien, you get a tax deed, a quick claim deed from the county. Same thing for Oakland, Wayne, Macomb, all the counties do it all the same. So that's what he's talking about. Right. So he yes. was doing all that stuff. So you're buying where the banks were foreclosing at the auction or right. buying the redemption right, some combination of both. Yeah, right? so we were mailing them prior. We were knocking on their doors. All the stuff we learned in the home home improvement business, we were calling them, and we wanted to get inside that house before we bought it at the auction. 
and work out something with the person living in the house. That was our MO, kind of like the tax auction. So that's what we were doing. And um, at that time, you know, from now till back, what's that, six years ago, maybe seven, five, something, uh, five, yeah, probably six, seven years ago, the prices were crazy, yeah, unbelievable. The low, you know? I remember. Yes. That was back when the auction really was live, too. Right. Like, I did a few of those before they went online and then when they tried auction.com for a little while, then they did their own thing. So, yeah. So those were really, really low. And then, Prior to that, before we even started going there, they were even lower because I talked to all the people and you get to know everybody. I know I go there. I went there today actually. And I, I know, know you were late for the podcast because <laughs> you were there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, um, so I, I know everyone there. I've been going there for years and, um, but we used to buy at the auction. We did some of the redemption rights, you know, things like that, but we were one of the bigger buyers. So I'm going to talk out of school. If you don't mind, I'm going to share the story I remember about you. Uh-oh. Okay. Because I do remember you coming to the meeting. Okay. And the reason you made such an impression on me is you're the only person ever who attempted to have a Renegade Detroit investor tip jar, oh, right? Because yeah. I, I, I still do the meetings for free. I want to be as inclusive as possible, and I don't want money to be a barrier to entry. And Todd was like, you should be getting paid to do this, right? So for like several months, you attempted to institute. It did not work. No, no. But I always appreciated it. someone gave you a dollar, everybody there, right now, you'd make $100 a night, but just someone gave you a dollar. Yeah, it's great. It's, it's, whatever. It's great. It really bothered you though. So you like, you went out of your way and it's easy for, so you saw some value to it. So that's the first thing I remember about you. I forgot about that. And at that time, I was very scared to talk in front of people, 100% sweating, shaking. Still, like I, you asked me to do a podcast probably six, seven, eight months ago. I mentally, no way. I would, I can't do it. And, you know, now I don't care if I'm bad, I'm bad. If I'm good, I'm good. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I'm not that good. It's easy. You got to practice a little bit. The second thing I remember about you is we're doing it again. But when I first started doing it, I put together a boiler room and my idea was we did follow up Friday. The idea is, yeah, it sucks to do cold calls. It sucks to do, to follow up with people who said no. Right. And my idea was to make it fun and to trick myself into doing it, if I invited other people, there was no way I wouldn't do it, right? So I had yep. I was working out of uh, Keller Williams Royal Oak, yep. and you came in, and I started listening to you on the phone, and I think it was the second time you came. You were sitting at the end of the L-shape office right behind me, and... I, w- I remember saying something kind of schmirky, like, geez, that's like the best uncle clothes I ever heard. Because as I was listening to you, I realized, wait a second, this is not some newbie. And I think that was when, at the end of that, after everybody left, I told you, you need to go out and do it on your own. I think that was January. When was that? I don't know, but it was right around there. At- I had to have been on my own. Just barely on my own at the time because I wouldn't have been. You hadn't quit yet. I, are you sure? Because yeah. I, I mean, I'm going Facebook Live and I went and I didn't quit. I would have been pretty. Wow, that was gutsy of me. I, yeah. I don't. I thought I 
I thought I might have just quit. But. Nope. You. It was like it wasn't very long though. Yeah. It you might didn't have been come the next week. You were very. <laughs> you're very close to the end. And yeah. when I heard how good you were on the phone, and how well you knew the streets, because I was you know, because I know I don't know it as well as you do, but there's not too many people who know so many Detroit streets and so many areas, and it's a small game. Most people get wiped out. They go away. They never learn. Right. And it's kind of like if you know how to do it, you can immediately tell if somebody else knows. Which, by the way, which for all those people who like to fucking pretend shit, you're not pretending to anybody. <laughs> people who actually know how to do this know the second you open your freaking mouth, whether you're saying, and I knew immediately. And I was like, holy shit, this guy knows a ton. And I gave you a little, like, you need to go do this for yourself. And then almost immediately. Yeah. I want you to tell that story. I don't want to ruin that story because you did right. something I absolutely love. Yep. At Renegade, at when this was at Shields Pizza, when you were at Shields, um, I'm staying over. I, I, I closed last Renegades. I was the last, we got kicked out of there. I, I don't know why. I told my wife I'm going to be home by 930. I'm there at noon, at midnight, right? Yeah, if we get out, out of there by 10, it's a good night. Yeah. Right. So anyway, talking around, you know, because I'm networking, I think that's like key. Very, very important. I met so many great people um, at these events. But anyway, there was a someone there. Um, but and he's and I said, man, I got to, you know, I kind of told him a quick story of what I'm doing and how, you know, he goes, just quit, man. Just do it. He goes, how about this? Give me a date. And he kind of tricked me into it. You know, he said, give me a date. You want to quit your job? And I told him January 1st. 2017 and he goes okay now then write me a check for $2,500 and if you don't quit on that day I'll donate it I'll give it to someone or whatever and I wrote it and after I'm I'll be honest with you I'm almost positive I didn't tell my wife she probably would have killed me. I don't blame you. Yeah. <laughs> she would have killed me. I might. I hope. I think a lot of our I'll behavior. after she listens. To a lot of our behavior is difficult to explain to uh, our spouses, yeah. right? Because yeah. some opposites attract, right? Like you yeah. and I, very similar. Not afraid yeah. to take risks. Not afraid to work. Not do all this stuff. And our wives, very similar to risk adverse. What do you think you're doing? Yeah. Are you sure that's going to work? Yeah. 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 So. I, yeah. Just, so you wrote a check for $2,500 and dated it. And if you didn't quit your job by yeah. that date, he was going to cash it. And I know it. he was going to cash Fuck it. Yeah. And you, I, if you're going to do something like this, don't it. give it to your grandma yeah. or somebody who loves you. Give it to, to someone you know. It, yeah. Otherwise, it's not going to work, right? Yeah, it's not. Yeah, exactly. So, How'd you feel as soon as you handed him the check? I was okay because it was like three months away. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing bad's going to happen in three months. Right. right. <laughs> so, but man, the, the, I tried the last, the last week, I tried everything to figure out how I could get out of it. And I, my wife, I, I, I didn't, I don't know if she knew about the $2,500 part. I'd be honest. I don't think so. Um, but I think she, she knew I was quitting on that day because I told, I, I prepped her a little bit. And then, was, wait, 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 was that over cornflakes or, oh, by the way, honey, I'm quitting today? <laughs> no, I think over the three you, months period, I okay. said, I'm going to quit um, January 1st. I can't, you know, I got to, I could do this, you know, blah, blah, blah. Right. And she's a hundred percent behind me. I'm telling you, she puts, you know, I'm working all the time and 
I'm trying to work so I don't have to work. You know that saying, blah, blah, blah. I'm still going to be working, but, you know, one day I'm only going to work 50 hours a week, right? And that's going to be like not working, you know? It's so true. I don't think people understand the work required to do it at a high level. I think they go, and don't get me wrong, I know what the sem- some of the seminars are selling, right? Like this four-hour work week. Yeah, get rich quick. Like it just is no. not. No. No, that's the, but, but you do get smarter. You do figure out systems. You do figure out. Well, you hire people now hire too. People. You have VAs. You, I mean like. Yeah, you figure and you try to figure out um, this, the nonsense stuff and we're still in that process. But man, I, I know it's going to happen. 2019 is going to be. I'm so happy because we're already changed, you know. Well, let's go back to this check. Sorry, right. I keep interrupting because there's so many fun parts I want to interject because I'm actually getting to the point where I was around for some of this, right. right? And there's some things I remember that that you you don't remember doing. So you write this check. What are the ways you tried to get out of it? I'm curious because I like the psychology behind right. it. I think people think they're alone in their head and this never happens right. to anybody else. It's just not true. Well, right? right. Well, the first way to get out of it is to say I quit my job and not quit my job. Ooh. You can't do that. <laughs> You're done because that's not the way I live anyway. Um, another way. But you thought it. I thought it, but I, I thought it, absolutely thought it. Brain's panicking. How do I get out of this? <laughs> Second way is to figure out how to get $2,500 in my bank account and let them cash the check and then then face the wrath of my wife. I love that. So the money wasn't even there, right? Or it would have hurt. It would have hurt hard. Yeah. A hundred percent. Oh, I don't even know if it would have hurt at the time. Um, I was working on a flip with um, Aaron Ball. He's one of the guys that helped me, you know, had some really had some faith in me. So he's helped me along the way to get started i pre i owe a lot to him but anyway we're working on a white lake flip because remember working for him i didn't want to touch anything he touched so any outside of detroit outside of redford was free in my mind that's the safe haven white lake yeah so you so your idea was i'm not directly competing with him i'm in a completely different market it's not hurting him at all right so that was my that was my way of getting my second income you know, job and the white Lake flip bought it off of auction doc or zone home, home search at the time. I think it was, if I remember correctly, man, it was a beautiful deal. Just you do get some pretty great deals. Yeah, this was yeah. a great deal and it didn't need a lot. We, we, you know what I know now would have been better before, but we, we did pretty well. I wish we could do one of those a month. We'd <laughs> it'd be nice. I feel like if we're ever at a point, where we don't feel like that's true, we've lost, right? Right. Like, I think if we fast forward two years from now, we'll probably be laughing at some of the dumb shit. Oh, yeah. Do, right? Like, 100%. Yeah. That's just part of the game, yeah. right? Yeah. Tommy and I talked about uh, something, a situation that we've been doing. We're never going to do it again because we know we don't need to. It's <laughs> yep. like, it's, it's just too much work for, you know, let's be smarter. That's the nice thing about doing more deals and making more money is you could then be a little bit more particular about who you yep. take. I do the same thing on the listing side now. If I have a really difficult client who's just not getting with the program, it's not for you. Yeah, I'm probably you're gonna. Yeah, I'm sorry, it's not. It didn't work out. Yeah, because yeah. it got You know, you got it's got to fit in the machine, yeah. right? You got to throw in stuff at the top that fits, and yeah, yeah I don't yeah, think yeah. people think about that. They think they could say yes to everything, and at some point, you have to say no to the smaller stuff to make bigger stuff. So. Right. And also, I I learned or I started. I did not know there was YouTube out there, 
and all the stuff that, you know, remember two, right then around 2000 and right before I quit my job, I, that's where I learned host the, I didn't even know what wholesaling was, had no idea. And then I, once I figured it out, I think my first deal, I made two grand and I was like, this is the, in my mind, this is the easiest thing in the world. I should be. I remember if I did. I told I get, you, isn't wholesaling great? I don't. It's so amazing. And um, you don't have to do any work. You don't have to buy it. Yeah, you know. know. And then two grand. Now I said, "Wow, two grand! All I got to do is two of those a week, and I'm making. I'm doing well, really well. You know. Uh, and once in a while, you do one a week, whatever. Two grand. Now I'm, I got a small mindset. Now I got to make ten grand. What? Forget the two grand. You know, it just changes. And then I started getting into the po- podcast, and because of Renegades. And, um, I got my favorite few and I started reading some, I, I can't, what are read. your favorite? Actually, this is good information, right? Yeah. Cause people are going to want to know what podcasts yeah. you, so I know don't flatter me with just mine, yeah. but obviously you listen yeah. to a lot of podcasts, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, your podcast, of course, but, um, wholesaling Inc is one of my favorites. Um, simple wholesaling. These are ones I listen to every, you know, weekly, every day, pretty much. Um, and, um, and I was like, I was a Grant Cardone crazy. I'm not as much anymore because there's only so much time in a day. So, you know, so Profit First is a good book. And I don't read. I'm just an audio guy. That's it. You know, I don't have, I can't read, you know. Um, and Four Prosperities um, um, or Four Spiritual Laws of Prosperity was a game changer. The Goal Giver was a game changer. The first book I ever read and I, was that one miracle morning just those simple rich dad poor dad those simple books i know where you got the miracle morning from uh the michael cowper podcast that was the one he talked about the miracle morning yeah Yeah. exactly so anytime and i got like a list of books that i'm they're next in line yeah and i learned from you is you listen to podcasts more than once and and that's what i've been doing The, the good ones i listen to it right away again you can listen to it faster and you just get it through it and um you know joyce myers is one of my i listen to it every day great it's not even man she i i didn't like her because i didn't know her before she's very smart one of the, I, I, I can't believe how smart she is. I'm like, wow, she's a sales lady too. Yeah. She just doesn't know it. Or maybe she does know it. I just didn't know it, you know? So just though, you know, those are, you know, so I got a few I listen to pretty much daily. And then I throw a book in there and try to get through it as fast as possible. You know? Yeah. That's a little hack I found is listen to it on Audible. Like for me, if I listen to it three times, that's the equivalent of reading it once. Right. Yep. Well, let me give you second level hack. This is re- this is harder to do than you think. Right. It sounds going to sound simple. I can't remember who taught me this. It's probably from another podcast. Right. Buy the audio book and buy the real book. And while you listen to the audio, read at the same time. Right. It sounds so simple. But I can't wait to have time to do that. I That's have a mind great. like yours, yeah. similar. Like I'm always skipping ahead. Wait, did I what did I just read that paragraph? You gotta go back and yeah. read the par- like you're trying to skip it. It it's really hard, but if you do it that way, you really get it. Right. I'll tell you another secret. Do you know why I did the wholesale series? Mm. A lot of people think I did it just for leads, right? So I did it on purpose. I did it after 
I started after a year and a half of working for Steve and something the Navy taught me. So back to the, back to the military, mm-hmm. read it, write it, do it, teach it. And when you put out there that you're going to teach somebody, you go back and mm-hmm. put in an extra level of effort. And that's by forcing me to teach it was how I systematized my business, right? Because it was all in my head. Because Steve was, sorry, Steve, I love you, but you're not the best trainer, right? <laughs> so there was no like manual I could learn, right? right? So I just followed him around and copied whatever he did because he was so freaking good at it, right? Like, I don't need a freaking manual. I'm just going to follow this guy around wherever he goes and copy everything he did. So by teaching it, I had to codify it basically and simplify it. And it just looks like I was helping everybody else, which yeah, yeah, I was helping people and I wanted to help people and I still like helping people, but teaching is also can be a selfish thing because then if you do it right anyway, I think you learn it even better. Right, right. Yeah, I don't think I'm at that level yet teaching. I'm starting to. So, and I think um, for you, that's just a confidence thing. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I was, I'm, shit, it's like you and Ron Walraven for experience and number of deals done. You, I, I'm, I want you to increase your confidence a little bit more. That's why I keep comparing you to Ron Walraven. <laughs> no, no. When no. you've done that many deals and that many different kinds of deals and that many creative deals, I think you should have a little bit more confidence. So. Thanks. Yeah. I'm working on it. Yeah. That's why I'm just doing that Facebook live every Wednesday at 10. You know, it really has done wonders for me. I love it when you get up at Renegade Detroit Investors because now you got the sign you hold up with all your information. I wonder why more people haven't done that. You've like set the bar and nobody else does it. That's fine. I know. (laughs) Yeah. Just recently, though, I used to always be nervous there. And I'm telling you, probably. 30, you know, two months ago. Now I'm not, you know, but ever, every other time, always a little nervous. You probably, you know, now it, it doesn't matter. It really, it doesn't, like I said, if I screw up, I screw up. It, it, you know, doesn't matter. Dude, I've witnessed that. I'm not going to tell stories out of school, but I've seen you take some shots to the body <laughs> that even I consider myself a grizzled vet, you know, like a campaigner. I've lost it all twice, right? And you just like, hey, just walk. You just literally like, yeah, it happened. Moving right on. I'm like, that, that's how you have to do it too. Yeah. But it's easier said than done. It sounds so easy. Like if you lose, lose fast and move on. Well, Harder know, to do in real life. I know where we're gonna be at the end of 2019. Just hundred percent got that mindset. That I know where I'm gonna be, and all this. I'll tell everyone the stories later. <laughs> kind of like you write the check for 2500 and you don't tell your wife. Yeah. So now I'm going to be able to tell you guys better stories later, but let me get to where I need to be first. See, and I fucked right. up. I did it in reverse. I decided I was going to write Joe a check for five grand if I didn't take 62 yeah. listings. And then I talked to my wife. It was actually going to be a check for 10 grand. But she's like, there's no way. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, what about five grand? It has to be meaningful. I've lost millions of dollars. I can't just lose, you know, like a few grand. It's not going to work for me. So as soon as I gave Joe that check, though, it ruined my fucking life for months. Let me (laughs) tell you. It worked, though, to your point, right? Like when you wrote the check. Yeah. Right, right. And I knew Joe would absolutely cash it. it. Yeah. So. Yeah. So let's reverse back to you quit your job. And now. You've been doing it a little bit on your own, right? Yeah, I was actually working a system in Flint, going to the auctions 
I wasn't actually going, but I made it, I got a team together and I was buying houses for a dollar and a hundred dollars in Flint and selling them to the, on weekends. I, that's where I would work on the weekends is go to Flint, knock on the neighbor's doors and sell it to them and say, Hey, give me 300 a month for 10 months. You can have the house. I swear to God, you're the most interesting guy <laughs> in the world. <laughs> Who decides to just go, I'm going to go do Flint, right? Was this during all the water too? Like, or like the bad, yeah. See, even with lead poisoned water, you can make money in real estate. <laughs> My dress shoes, well, I don't have them on now, but I got two pair of dress shoes I got out of Flint House. Um, Stacy Adams, a black pair and a brown pair. I'm going to keep them for the rest of my life. I resole them. They look brand new and I wear them when I dress up. And I got them out of Flint House. Out of Flint House, I bought for a hundred bucks, sold it for, you know, 300 bucks a month for 10 months. That was my thing. <laughs> Dude, that's genius. Yeah. You know, so, but then I got to go collect. I knew how to collect. I knew how to do that. You know, so stuff I knew how to do. And Flint was totally different because I was so used to Detroit. Even when I go to Pontiac, this, it's weird when you're not in the surroundings that it's like Detroit second nature to me. I, I, I mean, nothing. I'm so used to being on these certain streets. It's, you know, so in Flint, it's totally different. You got frame houses with no basements. And then you got, it's to me, it's like Brightmore <laughs> at its finest, you know, but in the people, you know, in Detroit, nothing scares me. I was more scared in like Pontiac and Flint just because I'm not used to it. But, you know, whatever. It's I interesting you picked on. Flint to go do this in, right? Like nobody was interested. Nobody was doing anything. And yeah. you saw an opportunity and were. I had no money. So you're getting them for a dollar and I could, we could figure that out. You know, figure out buying a house for a dollar or a hundred dollars. And that's, that's how I did it. And then I ended up getting a flip in Flint. And, you know, so you live and learn all of them. I mean, you're just trying to figure it out as we go. So you quit, you go out on your own, you work in Flint, and I know you start wholesaling too, right? So start talking about how you yep. built your wholesale, and actually you do a lot of stuff now. Like we haven't even got to it. Like, I mean, right? you've come a long way in a few short years, right? Well, Tommy and I, right when I quit my job, we got together. And we started doing things together. We were like, okay, let's work together. And we started going, man, I was, you name it, we are doing it. Flips, we're trying to, you know, we're just, whatever I was chasing. Do you mind if I back up here? Yeah, no, no, no. What no. made you decide you wanted or needed a partner, even before Tommy? Because um, I think a lot of people have this question in their head. Should I yeah. go out and do it on my own? Should I get a partner? Should yeah. I? Yep, yep. I, um. You know what? He has experience, many, many years experience. And I figured, and you know what? I think it was more, maybe I'm comfortable with someone. I didn't know how to do it by myself. Um, I, I, you know, and he seemed, you know, I, I know he's trustworthy. Did I know he was trustworthy? No. Um, but every, you know, I was pretty good at judging people. I thought, you know. And so he didn't know I was trustworthy either, right? We didn't, we were both in it and we both said the same things. We both wanted, we both wanted to change the world, you know, and, you know, make millions, you know. I mean, if we're going to work hard, why not make millions, right? So similar goals. Exactly. Got it. Yep. Yep. Similar goals. He hard, works as hard as I do. And, um, you know, so it was a good match. 
but in the beginning, like six months, maybe a year, I was still working with other people. And I was doing flips and wholesales and I was whatever, name it. I was all over. I had to pay my bills. I have a big house, big payment. Do everything. Throw everything against the wall. I threw it all. I had nowhere else. I mean, worst comes to worst. I I always joke around and told my wife, I know how to squat in the house. I could get free electric. (laughs) I could get free water. We could go from house to house. Of course, she's not going to go for that. That sounds a little fun to me, but... You know, I just... Um, Selling her the dream, I see. Exactly. You know, that's why, like I said, she's the best because, you know, she probably didn't tell me a lot of things. You know, she probably had a lot of sleepless nights. Maybe still does, you know. And that's what 2019 is going to bring. I said, just please, bear, you know, let me go for this year. And Yeah, you've grown I'm gonna fast. Some, I'm going to make some, Yeah, you know, and, and again... That's and I know because you can't do what I'm doing. You know, I'm not hundred percent not trying. I just know me. I can't do what I'm doing. You know, much at the pace I'm doing it for another two years. Okay, but I mean, I could work eighty hours a week. I mean, I'm telling you, this is all I'm doing, and it's not fair to my family. But they know the greater good in it. You know, so. That's and I I just can't wait to get that to the systems where when I am now I know when I'm working it's got to be stuff that's making me money and money's not everything but you know where we got to make money so we could keep growing and you know and um you know ironically back. I think you guys need to do less to do more right because you're doing so many different yeah. things. Now that you're fine, you got to pull it back and focus on the things you guys are yep. really good at, right? Like, yep, yep, yep. I'm not going to share any numbers, but you guys have murdered some flips this year. Like your ability to get deals and pick the right yep. property and flip the properties worth flipping. Right. Wholesale the ones. Like, I think you guys do a lot of stuff right in that category. Right. right? Make sure you pick the right house. Make sure you know your AR. Like you guys did a really good job of that, knowing what you were doing. So, right. yeah. But then we got you just get too many deals at one time. Then you get backlogged. So that's why I, we decided. Um, and I love wholesaling. I'm hundred percent love it. It turns me on. <laughs> I mean, wholesale, wholesale, wholesale. I, I want to wholesale everything. Tommy wants to keep everything. I do want to own 400 rental properties one day. And then you got that money coming in all the time. You know, if we do that and, you know, wholesale, 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 everything. And then you, when you work on three flips at a time, you could pick the best of the best and still give the best deals away. And then, you know, and just keep the that ball rolling, and you're never going to get caught with your pants down having ten flips, and the market crashes, you're in big trouble, right? <laughs> yes. All right. So. Ask me how I know that one. 2007, <laughs> exactly. July. Oof. Yeah. So that was like getting it's like stepping out on the freeway and getting run over by a truck immediately. That's what it felt like. That's how right. quick it was. Wow. Yeah, it was fast. That yeah. was the only good thing about 2007. Everybody else talks about 2008 or 2009, but Detroit, we say 2007. Yeah, we were yeah because it hit us first and hardest. Right? Right. Yep, yep. It was literally like turning off a light switch. Right. So if you're working in your business plan, you're going, gee, what could go wrong? <laughs> could everything go wrong at once? You're like, that would never happen. That could happen. Right. Nothing sold. Yeah. Everything. I remember I was selling for 120 and it wasn't even worth 10. Right. 
wow. and in a few months that fast and recover then, from that and then if you got that's why Detroit in my opinion what what happened was you got a na- you got a guy a nice brick bungalow um someone living there and they have a $100,000 mortgage and they see their neighbor across the street um you know lost his house and someone bought it for 5 grand same exact house and then he goes I'm just going to save my money and I'm going to go buy this house for 5 grand across the street and move into it so yeah, the moral hazard. It's just, it's just, yeah, it just went nuts. So it was a sad thing to see. Like on one hand, I understand why would I keep paying my mortgage and being a good person when everybody else is getting rewarded for being bad, right? So financially, why would you not do it? On the other hand, I do see that as kind of like a little bit of the beginning of the end too, right? Yeah. Because yeah. once it's okay not yeah. to do it it's kind of always okay not to do it. Right. right. Yeah. That's integrity and all that good yeah, stuff. And, it's a moral hazard. But, but I mean the, but for the people that lost their jobs and lost their income and they couldn't live that life or, or even pay their bills. I mean, of course that's why the short sale was there and everything else. And that happened to, but the ones that didn't, their income really didn't get affected. In my opinion, you just weather the storm, right? I mean, I just bought a big house right before all the things crashed because I got a great deal on it. <laughs> I don't even know if it's worth what I owe on it now, <laughs> right? So I'm still fighting that battle. So Yeah, anyway. enough time, though. Time will heal all wounds, right? Yep. And, and, you know, mindset now, I don't want bigger houses and all this stuff and that. That's not what I'm looking to get, man. I'm just looking to get freedom financially, time freedom. And, again, I'm not trying to say I don't want to work. I love working. You know, I want to get up at five and work till six or seven at night and stop working and hang out with my family, you know. And, you know, so that would be great, in my opinion, one day. All right. So walk me through this partnership with Tommy and your wholesaling and your flipping and kind of how you guys put it together. I don't need a lot of details, but yeah, you basically quit your job and dove in head first and did a shit ton of different things. You were wholesaling, flipping, yeah. rent, like everything, right? Yeah, I was doing a little bit of I was doing a lot of everything and Tommy and Tommy were part and, and I were partners and then I was doing deals on the side with this guy and that guy and this guy and it just got to a point where I could feel the tension uh and he was doing a little bit here and there and then it just got to a point where I was like, hey man he didn't even say it. He didn't have to say it, but I, I felt it that he might have, you know, is, is, am I working more hours over here or not over here in it? And I, and it's just not healthy. I was at least smart enough to learn that myself. So we sat down and, and we, we made a pact pretty much is say, look, everything we do is together, no matter what it is. And to this day, it's been that way. So, and, um, and it works out well. You yeah, know. Well, it only works because you picked a partner, a smart, hardworking partner, right. right? I picked one that was fucking lazy. Don't do that, right? Like, <laughs> exactly. it, it, that just does not work. It did not yep. last very long either because there's only so many hours, 80, 90 hours a week you're willing to do yep. while the other dude's doing 40 or 50. Like, yep. that's just bad. You're right. That's not yep. – yeah, and yeah. he was doing other shit on the side that I kept catching him in too. It created a lot of friction. Yeah, you know? exactly. And, and, and again – I was just, I was doing it because I was trying to survive at the time, you know, and, um, still trying to survive, you know, I, I don't, you know, always 
you know, I want to get to the point, like I said, having 400 rentals, it's totally different, you know, but, um, yeah, so that's, so it's been going well. I think we have a plan that we've been putting together for some time now. And, um, I want to close 20 wholesale deals a month, every month. And, um, of course I cannot do it by myself and, you know, we got a team together and Tommy, he, he helps a lot on the whole, not, maybe not as much, but he does all of the other side of things, you know, the property management, the fix and flips, the contractors, um, dealing with, um, finding investors and things and all that good stuff, all the stuff that I probably are not good at anyway. <laughs> so, and but there's other things he should probably shouldn't be doing that we'll, we both know he shouldn't be doing the property management stuff. He shouldn't be doing this and that. He should be doing what makes us the most amount of money that we get. We're going to work on that. And, and I should be on the phones and meeting customers and selling deals. And, you know, that's what I like doing. Well, let's talk a little bit more about that part because I think that's the part that makes you. You're very unique in a lot of ways, right? But your lead sources are varied and many. It always seems like you have another trick to pull out of your hat. So, and I don't want to go like through a step by step. They'll bore the shit out of people, right? But like the question I always get is, where do you get the leads, man? I just had somebody text me that knows better say, uh, where do I find motivated leads? You know, to a certain extent, that's almost a stupid question. Right. Like, but walk me through the different lead sources. Don't give away like your, your trade secret, like or your post or whatever you're doing. Right. But part of what made you so successful is the different areas you went for leads that other people just don't, right. don't do because you had these 23 years of experience. You know, I'm going to be totally honest. We don't mail anybody. We just now are starting to, we changed our business. It's, you know, we don't mail anyone. We don't buy list off a list source. I don't even know how to buy a list off a list source. Um, I'm going to tell you the best way to get leads. It's networking. Networking, 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 networking. That is the best way. I don't, I have, I just put up like four bandit signs from Davidson, Michigan to Commerce Township over the weekend just because it was fun. And it says, you know, I don't even, I don't use bandit signs. Not that they don't work. Um, I have a mentoring group. They do them all the time. We get deals off of them, but you can't wait for the phone to ring. In my opinion. Now I just kidding. You know, I work the auctions that I got it. I do that. I guess I do some, I'm sorry. I do some letters, of course, dropping off letters and mailing some letters at the auction. But, um, um, I heard a quote yesterday um, on a podcast. It said something like, um, stop. Um, anyway, I'll think of it in a minute. It was more, more or less, you got to you gotta pick two. You got to get one strategy and stick to it. And that's not what I've been doing. No, yeah, you've been doing <laughs> 100%. a lot of I've been doing different things. Yeah. So I'm going to conquer the – my goal is to become – you know, my team, and when I say me, you know, it's not just myself. There's no way I could do this by myself, but to be work, the foreclosures and pre foreclosures, I want to be the best. Um, and then from there, I could maybe add something later, huh. you know, and, you know, 
I heard something else. You, everything is because I listened to a podcast, read a book, or m- learned from somebody. I'm not smart enough to figure this out. But you know how people do absentee homeowners? Um, sometimes you got to overlap those things. Those are the best ones. You get absentee no- homeowners that... Um, that have high equity or you kind of overlap the two different groups of what the list you're buying, you know? And I thought that was very interesting. Mm. I mean, it's just, but yeah. Yeah. I made a lot of money off of absentee owners that are out of state that are free and clear that combination right there. Combination. That was like my first 60, 70 wholesale deals, right? right? Disgruntled out of state landlords. You know, there's right. a lot of motivation there, right? Yep, yep. I'm and in California and my Detroit rental took a shit again and damn it, I'm ready to tap out. You yeah. know, I did a lot of those calls. So Yeah, so I get a lot of, from networking, I get a lot of referrals. I tell everybody what I do. I tell them, I mean, you know, I, I just tell them every, you know, um, I'll do something really nice for them if they refer someone to me, things like that, you know, and you, you know, so that, that is, Oh yeah. I almost forgot. <laughs> Guess what I have in my pocket for you, sir. Oh yeah. A crisp $20 bill. So nice. Todd got me a listing referral. And I was I spicy that day, or I don't know what the hell. I don't know. Like you were so certain. I think it, you annoyed me because that, you were right. so certain she would sign. Well, I knew the inside. I met her. Yeah. So you had no. You're like you know you know whatever. I said no, hundred percent. She will sign. And um, so we like, made a bet. Yeah. And really, it was win win for me, right? Like right. either if I got the listing, what do, what do I care about? Uh, yeah. Obviously, I pay I pay a referral fee. It's a good listing too. But what do I care about the twenty bucks or not? Right. I was just I was feeling salty that day. Yep, yep. Anyway, yeah, no, she absolutely signed, and you're 100 percent right. Yep. So there you go, you got thank your twenty you, bucks. You. And <laughs> and the way I got that lead was as a foreclosure from Clawson, Michigan, and I know I can make money off of it. But, you know, I'm trying not to do risky things this year. <laughs> There's reasons why, as I'll explain later one day. Yeah. But one later one day or later, <laughs> like 20 minutes on the podcast. <laughs> so can we go over one shitty one? You don't have to say addresses or names or. Um, I like talking about yeah, the wrecks, yeah, too. I right? Can, I can definitely, you know. Yeah, I could. We could figure out a couple, one or two that I could, you know some some bad ones but well this one um the market shifts a little bit things are different and um i still know i can make money off of it but it's just too risky way too risky and um so it was it was a struggle for me not to do it so that's why i go over with tommy i talk to jeremy i talk to someone else and i give them the situation everyone gives me the same answer i go okay <laughs> all right whatever you guys don't see the light like i do yeah it was Last too tight year, you're know, right. right you could make money i could and i could but if not one thing goes wrong yeah, exactly. you break even yeah two things go wrong you lose money exactly and now you know so and we don't want to you know we want to be we want to do things that you're you're 90% sure that you're going to make money. There's always a chance something goes wrong and then you make no money, but you want to be more certain than that certain. So, and that's, I'm a deal junkie, man. I just want deals, 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 deals. Um, There is an addictive nature to it, right? Like it becomes almost uh, 
that's kind of a passe word, but I don't know what else better than like a lifestyle to a certain extent, right? right. Like everybody yep. knows you're the deal guy. You know, all deals yeah. flow. Like it's just, it just becomes part of right. who you are and it's fun to do too. Wholesaling is fun. A lot, it, yeah. It's a lot of work, but when you finally figure out what you're doing, it's an incredible amount of fun too. Cause you're hooking your friends up with deals basically. Right. It's a fun thing to do. Yeah. You know? Oh, it's late this, this year, 2019, day one, um, sold a deal in two seconds. And yesterday I pitched out a deal on Wayburn. Tommy, his connection sold it. I got like five people, even at the auction. Oh, there's just one deal. I said, it's sold. It's probably Wayburn. Yes, it's gone. I mean, I just, nothing's better than telling people that deal's gone because you're snoozing. Yep. I just, you're you know, sleeping. I already I'm sold just, it. Uh, that's it. Um, I'm going to get deals as fast as I can. And then also that I'd never been good at because I, I'm a deal junkie. I just want the deals. Forget about selling them. They sell themselves, but, or they don't. But I got the deal. No, I want to sell. I want the money at the end of the time. You know, I want close 20 deals a month. And I could do that. Big 2019. How many are you going to flip? Uh, Tommy's going to flip 52 deals. Ooh, Tommy. Tommy, he said that. So, Tommy, I'm, I'm telling that. Mr. Everyone. Tommy O'Neill, 52 <laughs> deals. We better get our ass back to work, deals. right? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, if one of us hits our goal we're doing okay if he closes 52 and i close one i'm okay vice versa but whatever i'm closing 20 i'm figuring it out right now and anyway yeah so we got we got things we're going we're we're not you know that's it dude it's gonna be fun it's gonna be it's gonna be fun doing it you've also done some other things you're kind of a humble guy so i got a humble brag for you too so you have the best invest llc group and i'm gonna he does this Wednesdays, right? What time do you do? Nine? 10 p.m. 10 p.m. 10 p.m. Eastern. Yep. Daylight savings time. Yep. Right. If you go to the Best Invest LLC group and like it, or yep. no, not like Ask it, join deals. the group. Join yeah, the group. You just join Best Invest dash, or excuse me, Best Invest LLC dash deals. Yep. I'll put a link in there because he's going to go rename the, the, the URL. So it's a cleaner URL for me, which is a bunch of numbers, right? But you also started your own meetup. So let's talk about what made you decide to yep. start your meetup, where your meetup is at, how people can, can get there. Um, basically yep. that part of your, your business. Cause I love it. Yeah. 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 Well, Tommy's been actually Tommy's been talking about having a meetup in Detroit. That's the key. He says we got to be in Detroit. He doesn't know any that's in Detroit. There might be one or two, of course, but it's one that we're not sure of. Um, Jason Cole might have yeah, one, just right? One. Yeah, and I'm actually going there Friday. I, I should I, go. I, what time is that on Friday? Six thirty. Maybe we could go right after. You want to go right after Boiler yeah. Room? I'll yeah. go with you. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. I've been promising that man to yeah. go to his meeting for a ridiculous number of years. Yeah. 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 So and it's not far, seven mile in yeah. Wyoming or something like that. Um, something. But anyway, so anyway, so. Um, I think we and Tommy was talking to Brent Maxwell and we we're talking about doing this and that. And, and so Eastside at Bogarts, actually it's in Detroit, I promise you, but you think you're in Gross Point. <laughs> it's really, it's just in it's, Detroit. It's like one or yep. two blocks in from Detroit, but it's right on Warren, I believe it is right across from the Staples or is it Mac? Um, 
Oh, it's right on Mac. Yeah, it's yeah, Mac. it's on Mac. It's, it's on, on Mac. Mac. Yeah. So Casu and Mac area, and it's at Bogarts. When we do it on the fourth Tuesday of the month. So if there's five months, it's not the last week. It's the fourth Tuesday of the month, and um, and it's pretty much um, you just you just eat mingle meet people man I, I met some good people i made some money out of it already and we just started it and met some really good people so um the true east side detroit because that's one thing i have noticed you and i go everywhere yes but almost everybody else not only do a lot of people aren't going to cross eight mile a lot of people aren't going to cross woodward either right and there's definitely there's very few options if you're east side like right what do you got? Rhea McComb kind of sucks. Sorry, Rhea McComb. <laughs> Hopefully you're better now. Um, Jeff just started one. Yeah, and simple. then you guys, yeah. right? So your yep. options. And then on the West side, it's completely different. You just yep. have so many more options. Right. So I love you guys are in Detroit and filling that East side need. I don't mind driving 45 minutes, but for a lot of people, that's a barrier to entry. They're not going to drive right. 45 minutes. So Right. And you know what? We're trying to find new people that, you know, we might, I might partner up with as in, as in wholesaling or something, or they might, we might benefit from each other, you know? So that's kind of the key to that. Also, we might find some contractors, people that might not go, that never been to Renegade, um, never been to, you know, and they want to get into it, you know? So that's another reason I kind of want to do maybe a little style, just a teeny bit, kind of like what you do, where you go up there and you might pitch your deals or you might just say who you are, you know. A little shameless self-promotion, a yeah, so, yeah. little commercial. Just something yeah. easy. I, I haven't figured out if Bogart's the place to do that yet, but um, we're always looking. We were, we were looking downtown. We thought we had a good place, but it didn't work out. So, Well, let's put know. it out. Yeah. If you're listening and you have a location – in Detroit, he doesn't charge money. So if you're asking for money, you got to be selling something else. Like if I go to Bogarts, I make sure to buy food. Right. So Drinks, Bogarts food, makes yeah. money. Mm-hmm. I run my meeting the same way. If you come to Shields, yes. spend some money, right? If you have a location in Detroit that you would like, what, space for, let's say, 70 people? Let's think big. Oh, wow. That'd be great. We, we don't have 70, but I, I could get... You're, you're like at 30, though. We're probably, yeah, 30. You'd be surprised I'll how fast you. 30 could be 70, right? right? Yep. Well, let's say 50, but if you could expand to 70, and you right. would like Todd to bring you business every month, reach out to him, 248-497-9195, text or Todd at Best Invest LLC. So maybe his group can get... And you guys want to stay east side or downtown Detroit, right? Anywhere in Detroit. Anywhere in no, Detroit. No, it doesn't matter if it's west. I mean, Tommy's east. I live way west, north. Yeah. So, um, But I don't care. It, it's, it doesn't matter to me. It's just another, some, you know, 100,000 miles on my truck. <laughs> it's brand new. No. <laughs> I know. Like, people always talk to me like, oh, it's so far for you to drive. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Like, I've been, been doing it for years. Yeah. Just, I drive a lot. Yeah. Not as much as you, but I did back in the day when I was running six, seven appointments a day. I don't know how you got to 11. That's amazing to me. It had to be a finely oiled machine to do 11 appointments a day. You know, we had it down to... We knew if we're on the phone and it was the west side, we knew to make it on this day. Usually, well, let me take it back. We knew to make it either in the morning or the the next morning or that night. 
you know, or right now, or because what's going to happen is you're going to get a non-homer and then your day gets back in track, you know, and, you know, I knew where, you know, I always brought a lunch or you're, you're going to get someone that's not home or you're working late to eight o'clock at night. You're just running behind. Sorry, minute, ma'am. I'm running behind. Just got on my appointment. I'm on my way. Or you just show up because a lot of times they cancel. After they one cancels, you know, don't call them anymore. Just show up. <laughs> oh, they told me it was six o'clock. I'm sorry, it was four. What they messed up, <laughs> you know. So you just play it off, get back, and get them going. You know, just, I love that. You show up after they cancel anyway. How many closed after they canceled and you showed up anyway? Oh, if or or you're way late to all, a ton. It was it wasn't hard to sell someone or refinance. Mm-hmm. It was easy. You're helping them. You're giving them money, you're paying off their bills, and we never, thank goodness, because I never did a balloon payment in my life. That's where a lot of people got screwed over, is balloon payments. And and of course, we're doing $50,000 loans, or less, 60000 somewhere around there, and we're doing 15-year loans at the fixed rate. They're saving money, paying off everything, getting money, and they they had 22 years left on their original loan. So now they got seven years less. So it was always, um, if it wasn't a good deal, I can't sell it. Yeah. I wouldn't have sold it. I said, you know, oh, we're going to sell it so you, we can make money and you can't make anything. It's, it's, we just didn't do it. It's just not a good deal. Well, I like to always talk about how much work it is too, because I get a lot of stupid questions, which I don't mind questions, but you can definitely tell how removed from work people actually are based upon their questions about getting into the business, which is why it seems like, yeah, of course, uh, I know you're probably slightly annoyed when I keep talking about the work, but trying to nail home a point, people, like Todd's out there from the ass crack of dawn till late every night, just like the rest of us fuckers, right? (laughs) And yeah, there's a direct correlation between effort and output, right? And it's hard and you get told no and you screw shit up and that's just, that's the name of the game while you're doing that. So your meeting is also more of like a, which I love, a networking meeting. And you've made networking, which I love, an enormous part of your business, right? Correct. Yeah. And I always recommend that to people too. That's one of the great things. If you live in Metro Detroit, I really don't want to hear your excuses. At this point, we have a dozen pretty decent meetings all across Detroit. We're all connected on Facebook. We're all connected on these groups, right? Like the networking part has been a huge part of my business too, just like this podcast and meeting you and meeting other people like that, that I can do business with. So yep, yep. I know it's a little scary getting up there. How was it the first time you got up in front of all the renegades and gave your little commercial, right? It was, I mean, I'm shaking, I'm sweating, um, probably couldn't, wasn't clear. You know, it's just, you know, it gotta was do it, hundred, yeah, you yep. just got to do it. Now, like I said, I never, and that was the same way in high school, I couldn't get up in front of people and talk. You know, my kids, I think at the, the way that school has trained them in fifth grade, they're out there doing things I wouldn't have done as a senior, you know? So, it, you know, that just wasn't my thing, but it get me in front of a customer sitting down at the kitchen table, writing a mortgage is pretty easy. <laughs> you <laughs> but, have... I call it the the favorite uncle close. I don't know if what what anybody else calls it, but I, I to describe it to somebody, 
it's very different than how I close because I learned I do it more now, right? It's, it's you have to go a lot softer on the retail side when you're listing, right? So if you're listening and you're going for wholesale contracts, it is a different kind of selling. I don't have the exact as much retail background as Todd actually has. I've actually been a realtor for two and a half years. I know I've done like a hundred and. 80 deals. That's more than most people do in a lifetime, just in the last two and a half years. But I don't have all that retail experience. So when you listen to Todd close, it's like your favorite uncle telling you a story and walking you through all your options and just friendly as all get out. And you can do this, this, I could help you with this. And it's genuine too. I think that's the thing. It's not a, um, I think people think there's like tricks or like spells. I call it spells, right? Like I'll say this and they'll just say yes. That's not how it works. But it's a very different close because what I learned from Steve is a very hard close, right? right. Like, I, Yeah, I don't think I could do that. I, I mean, I'm sure I could do it if I had to. I would figure it out, but it was, it's not me. I mean, I just I, – I like it. I'm like, man, I just can't do it that way. See, that's why I like working with so many people though because yeah. I hear some stuff that you yeah. say or Robert Same. says or Ron Walraven or Steve Lundo and you're like, shit, that's really good. Yep, yep, you know? yep. And then like, you just put it into your repertoire of what to say and it's helped me a lot on the retail side. I'm starting to yeah. get more non-investor business. Right. And that's a completely different way of closing. Right. And it, I'm – Taking some cues from you, like Uncle right. Jeremy. Yeah, man, I work at your pace. You take your time. No right. stress at all. Yeah. I'm here when you need me. I'm just going to check it. in every and then now and then. you say, so when are we going to sign this, tomorrow or right yeah. now? <laughs> I used to crush them all like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Steve had me train like a machine. Yeah. Yeah, I just, he's like, right. you go and you crush these things. And you don't leave until you get it signed. Right, right, right. And it's easy to say until you see someone like Steve do it. That's right. exactly how he does it. Well, listen to this and kind of like, yeah. I won twenty dollars a day because you had. You're like, no way. Um, I knew it. Right? I was kind of shitty to you that day too. I'm glad you have the twenty dollars. Uh, no, well, I'm glad too because I'll get a referral. Now fee, you get a right? referral fee as well. Win win. So here's another one. I had a lead. The guy Googled me. He said, "I'm gonna find out tomorrow." But I'm like, "Why you Google me? You're not gonna know I buy houses." But somehow he found me that I buy houses. He's in Belleville, right? And he called me. And um, and I'm talking to him, and he told me he has a house by Newport, that same area. And went down the block, and it's even way nicer. It's like $100,000 homes on this block. And so I'm like, yes. When can I come out? Can I come out today? No. Can I, how about tomorrow? No. We made it for Saturday, you know, Christmas break. You know, Saturday, 1 o'clock. Uh, okay. Sure. You know, I don't know what my wife has planned, but I got to go to this appointment. I don't care either. Yeah. I went to the appointment and I'm bragging to Robert Graham, Tommy. My mind, it was a so deal. So now I'm learning again that I get excited. I got to tell people, right? Because you tell people it makes you work better. So I have to get this deal. I told everyone I'm getting the deal. So I tried everything I could to get this deal. And his thing is, look, I nicest guy in the world. Um, and he's like, look, I got a couple more people coming through here. And I was like, oh, I, said, I hate that. Yeah. I go, but remember, and this one I'm going to have to buy myself because I, I didn't even told the guy. I said, these other guys are wholesalers. Yeah. <laughs> I pulled that card out. Hell yeah. They're going to go, right? And so, but anyways, this, there's a reason why this guy has to sell. It was his daughter's house that passed away. 
right? It's, they just want it gone, right? And so I said, look, what can we do today to get, get this done? You know, you got to get this paperwork, the probate and all this, this and that, and I'm going to buy it. We can close this quick. I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to, and he said, look, I just got to do this. I said, look, all right. I said, you do it. I understand. And then I, I just had to turn gears and then make, now I had to make it like that was the best decision you ever thought about waiting. Right. So now I'm into that mode. I don't blame you. If the guy offers you 50,000, you got to take it. I can't pay 50,000. Right. Blah, 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 blah. And I said, but, and then we're talking about all the other stuff you're supposed to talk about. And I was actually interested in. Right. And then, um, it got to, and he said it and he says, look, I'll give you the first option. Whatever someone says, even if it's, I go, yeah, even if it's 50, please call me and maybe something happens and you know, I could do it, but I'm telling you, I can't, but who knows? <laughs> you know, keeping the door open. Exactly. But who knows? I said, when are they coming out? And he told me Thursday, which is today. And, um, I said, well, you know, I'm at the auction every Thursday, right around the block. If you're here, give me, let me know. If you're not, I don't want you to drive all the way here for me. I already seen the house. I'll come to Belleville. So long story short, he called me. I'm paying more and I'm meeting them at Cracker Barrel in Belleville tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. There you go. Yeah. So, yeah. You got to do that a lot. I was doing that with that. You gave me a lead on the phone. You'd think I could close grandma, right? 25 <laughs> minutes later, I've thrown 24 oh, yeah. closes at her. And this cagey grandma, actually, I got to follow up with her tomorrow. I have it in my calendar because she wasn't doing anything. Wait, when's the 5th? Oh, I'm calling her Saturday. Sorry, I just looked. I have it as, yeah. yeah, so the 5th. Sometimes you can't. You got to repivot and take a different tact, too. Right. And you learn that, you know, especially if you're knocking doors for a living and, and or, or for foreclosures and you first show up to the house, they're not going to sign a deed that day. If they do, you're, you're great to me. I don't want, I'm not that guy. I'm like, look, you know, I'm the Mr. Nice guy. And, you know, and if, I mean, if they're going to sign it, I want to get it signed. But anyway, I'm just, I, I think sometimes they need a couple of touches, you know. Uncle Todd's here to help. <laughs> I love it. I've learned a lot from yeah. you and how to, especially on the retail side, right? Like definitely years of REOs, working with investors and certainly working with Steve. I've got the hard close down, right? right? And I could read people really well, but now I'm just adding more tools right. to my bag. And that's another reason why I never would have thought being an agent would be so helpful because there's so many ways it fucking sucks, right? <laughs> you don't, you got to do a lot to make even a fraction of the amount of money you guys can make. Uh, but what I underestimated was getting to work with you guys so much more. And it's more than money because I've learned so much more than money. It's actually helped me make more. I was, well, I wasn't thinking about it. Right. You know, I was right, wrong. Right. Kind of like you're talking about you were wrong in the head and you were like, yeah. you were thinking too was, small. I was doing the same thing with this realtor thing. Right. Right. Cause it's only the last six months. I'm like, holy shit, I've made so much more than money. I'm so much better. Right. Because I've done this and that's the networking part yeah. too. And yeah. I'm so glad I moved to Detroit and I kept yeah. an open mind and I network with people. Right. People would never know how quiet and shy you were initially too, right? <laughs> Same thing with Eric Friday. I mean, I had no yeah. idea you were going to blow up big or Eric Friday or yeah. any of these people. Right. You just got to network and be nice to everybody. And now I'm learning shit from Eric. Right. And we're definitely 
Don't know everything. No. We're definitely not perfect. No. Just like Eric Friday in the boiler room. I said, I was like, this guy, he's not going to. Where is he going to go? Well, he, yeah. He, he can't, you know, he was so quiet. He was, if you thought I was Uncle Tom. He was he a was mouse. Uncle, yeah. He was quiet and being all nice, but maybe he was nervous. I don't know. But maybe he still does that. It works. And I was 100% wrong, and I'm glad I was wrong. Yeah, I'm wrong all the time. And yep. I, Yeah. So just because I think so, I always tell people, just because I think this doesn't mean I'm right or wrong. This is what I've been taught all my life. And when I'm, you know, hopefully I'm wrong in some things or hopefully I learned something. And I did. And um, other people I think is going to be a rock star are not. Yeah. So it just depends on the person and their, what, what they're going through. And, you know, you know, it takes a lot of different kinds of people. And that's the networking aspect that yep. I've done so much. So yeah, yeah, yeah. What would you like people to know or what would you like to share? I'll make sure to plug everything again at the end when we wrap it up. But we are at two hours and 11 minutes. It feels right to me. I feel like we're winding down. I'd like to have you on again. But I always like to open this up to what would you like to share? Um, Obviously, you make a sales pitch too. anything you want. What do you want to put out there in the world? And I really appreciate you taking the time today and come share this with me. Yeah, no, I appreciate you. Um, thanks for forcing me to do this. <laughs> I love it. I persisted. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know what? I want to, one of my things that I want to do this year is, and I haven't even figured it out yet, is I want to travel to New York to a RIA meeting and network for two days or one day. I don't care. You know, but I want to, you know, organize it, call some real meetings, say, Hey, would you like to, me to talk for 10 minutes about Detroit, which probably would be an hour, right? Whatever. And maybe go to California, just some hot spots. Cause I want to get buyers out of state, out of the country here because they pay more. And well, if they're listening, to, mm-hmm. how do they get added to your buyers list? Yes. If you're listening, listening to get added to my buyers list, send me an email and I want your name. Um, phone, cell phone number, because what I'm going to do is people that give me their cell phone number, they're going to get first action on our list. Ooh, I like it. So I'm the gonna, first text, the right? The first text, and I'll give you a head start, a big head start. All right. That's Todd, T-O-D-D, at bestinvestllc.com. This is in the show notes, so you don't have yes. to like pull over the car or anything like that. You just got to click the show notes. Yep. All that information will be right yep. there. But I do want to say it. Get added to his buyers list. Yep. He gets great deals. I'm not going to give away. I get to see the inner workings of a lot of this stuff, but it, they're good. They're good deals. There's all sorts of deals too. He's got flip deals. He's got landlord deals. He's got land contract deals. There's all sorts of stuff. You could buy redemption from him. Yep. Whatever your flavor, maybe you're like, fuck that. I don't want to do any of that. And I just want to private lend. He can do that as well. As much involvement as you want or as little involvement as you want. You got a machine already going. You just want to buy stuff. He's got all sorts of deals. I literally all sorts of deals from a thousand, from $5,000 to $300,000, whatever you, I know we, it's hard to go bigger in Detroit, but it does occasionally happen. We are, we are going to, we have already started. Working, like I said, our foreclosure system where we're working Oakland County and Macomb County and Wayne County. Those are the three. And I could always go to Genesee County. I thought I was doing Genesee, but you know what? I want to become the king in those three counties first. 
Well, this is where the most houses are anyway, yep. right? Yeah, for you know, yeah. just and maybe Macomb's too much. I should just do Oakland and Wayne, but I, you know, I, there's some good deals in Macomb, and I got to give Jeff Lipple, and then I want to meet them and sell them all my deals. <laughs> you know, those reals. So that's, I know we need to start good. going to his meeting will, now yeah. too. This is almost a problem. All, all my friends have started to meet, and I want to go to all of them. I got to figure I out know. how to do this. It's crazy, and yeah, I got to get my wife to come with me. You know, be amazing if you could do that. Yeah. Um, I got to figure out, you know, you know, if I could, you know, I'll only be there an hour. That's the problem. You're not going to be it's there an hour. Me. Yeah. You know, no, I'm not leaving either. Yeah. I if gotta, I'm having a good conversation, yeah. I mean, I'm not leaving. There's a reason I'm there. And I, and a lot of times I'm connecting with someone that's making, we're making money together. That's why I'm there. And it's trying to figure that I'm not there to, Drink. I mean, when I go to Renegades, I cannot drink a beer until everything's done. Uh, my mind gets off track. Save your Bud Light Lime for the end. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I love those. I give a little friendly banter. He likes, uh, he likes Bud Light Lime and I'm not, I'm not hating. It's just, it's <laughs> fun to poke fun at. Yeah. Simple man, simple taste, right? Mm-hmm. What? 20 wholesale deals a month, one flip a week and Bud Light Lime for life. <laughs> Email Todd, Todd at bestinvestllc.com. If you want to bribe them with Bud Light Lime, that might help you. Or you could just make sure you give your cell phone number too, so you get the text first. And if you want to get to that exclusive list, because I do the same thing, and you might not think it's fair, but too fucking bad. If you buy something first, a lot of times you might get a call before you get a text. I'll give you a little insider tip. But typically... Almost always you have to buy something first because then you go to that trusted zone. Todd wants to be out getting contracts. He doesn't want to spend all day selling a wholesale deal. He'd much rather call a known trusted source and give you a first shot at a yep. deal, but you got to buy something first. So you get all, that's like the inside secret, you know? Yep. There's nothing like getting a deal, picking up the one phone call yep. and getting it sold. That's the best. I don't have to do a flyer i don't have to pitch it out to everybody in the world i save myself don't have to show it 20 times exactly. yeah, none of that crap and yeah. anyway and i give it you know i'm giving you the best deals that's that's the key you know so and they actually are good deals he's got something for everyone anything else you wanted to share you want people to know it could be um, anything i don't care what it is favorite um, book Oof. favorite podcast yeah favorite yeah. You know, wholesaling ink. Or what I was saying is that's that's the one thing is I want to, you know. So if anyone has any recommendations of some places that I might need to go visit this summer, you know, maybe I go to five or six different places. I want to hit a wholesaling um, weekend event, something like that. And and again, I don't know how I'm going to do it because I want to be out on the phones working. You know, I'm going to figure it out. But um, and then as as our property management. Um, business. We're just getting, we're way better than we were um, two years ago and we're going to get better and better and better on that side of things. So, and that's, but no, I just, um, no, I appreciate everything. Everything, trust me, because of you and renegades and everything is why I'm sitting here, in my opinion. You know, I don't see I would probably be managing Taco Bell right now. I don't think so. But I appreciate it. It's very kind of you to say. It is a fun thing to do. People, the only reason I still do it 
honestly, it's not, it's, it is a great lead source, but frankly, I get more leads off the podcast than I do the meeting because so many more people listen to the podcast and actually come to the meeting. But one of the reasons why I enjoy doing it is to meet people like you, Eric Friday. It's the best thing in the world to meet like-minded people you can do business with. that feels effortless and fun. And that's a rare thing. It's not just about work. You should enjoy your work. Yep. Agree. Anything else for everybody else? No, I think that's it. Just, um, I just thank everyone, you know, um, everyone at, I could go on forever and ever and ever. My, you know, especially like I said, my wife, she's, you know, she, she's the one that, um, you know, where are you at? She's probably like, what's that? You know, I'm always out and about. She, you know, trust me a hundred percent. So, cause I'm always working and, and, um, you know, I met great people. Like I said, Aaron Ball, um, got my start, Jeremy, you know, I could go on and on and on, you know, um, Jeff Rabinowitz, I mean, all Mark Tomes, all Jeff Lubitsky, um, just so many good people, you know, and we all do business together. That's the, that's actually the fun. I mean, you're all my friends. I probably don't even have yeah. any fr- other friends. So you guys, I don't, I don't want, want any other friends. Any other friends. Exactly. Yeah. This if we could it. do business together and be friends, that's, I don't know. Yeah. I think we're also, I don't know. We're kind of workaholics too. I, and I don't, I'm not ashamed to say that anymore. I used to say it like it's a bad thing, man. Fuck that. It's not a bad thing. You lazy fucks. <laughs> I'm going to outwork you. I'm going to outwork your kids and you're going to cry and scream about it. And that's just right. the way it's going to be. There are people like Todd and me out there grinding. Yeah. Well, you're sleeping at night. We're grinding, waking up early in the morning. Can't quite get up as early in the morning as you anymore since the back surgery, but I'm still 630, you know, yeah. I'm working towards 430 again. I just need yeah, eight I hours used- of rest now. Yeah. You know? You know what? I'm not like I used to be just because I think the age. So, but you know, I'm, I'm, that's one of the things I'm doing now is work. There's 160 hours in a week. You got to sleep seven hours a day, you know, so I'm backtracking all my hours. What, what can I do? What time do I have to get up? What time do I have to go to bed? Like last night I'm in bed at one. I'm supposed to be bed at 10 so I could get up at this time. Yeah. I'm one to six, you know, it's, you know, you catch up on the weekends, but, you know, anyway, it's, you know, I just got to figure out when I got to make my phone calls and, you know, and have people make the phone calls and things like that. So. Well, we got the boiler room. I actually cleaned up the yep. garage. Oh, nice. I know. It's actually, so I kind of rearranged it so we have more space to set up the boiler yep. room so we're ready for this Friday. Yep. So Great. it's going to be a little nicer in there too. So, awesome. And if you're sitting somewhere else, I don't know where you're at in this country listening to this podcast. Maybe you have a group. Maybe you have a bunch of guys and gals that get together. Consider getting together and dialing. Don't bring in a bunch of losers or anything like that, but people like getting after it, right? The reason I did it is it's so much more fun to do together, right? It's not fun following up on all these phone calls. It's not fun making cold calls. We put on some gangster rap. We get five or six <laughs> dudes together. We do right. occasionally get the occasional female, not too many. They're welcome. You're certainly welcome to come. Right. Uh, and it's more fun to do. And then we make a competition of it. We have a board up and we say, yeah. how many appointments are we going to set? We write out. It's just a good way to make some hard work a little bit more fun and a little bit more enjoyable. Yep. And I think there's a psychological advantage to doing it on a Friday too. And yep. everybody else is quitting work early, you know? Yep. And, and we're then, still grinding. Yeah. When you're with a bunch of guys, I, it's 100% and you're not by yourself and you're someone saying, no, call me back tomorrow or whatever. 
and you fight for that appointment because everyone's there watching you. Yep. And you got you haven't you know it's just human nature. So well, that's another reason to go to Best Invest the group. I'm putting it the link for the Facebook group is going to be in the show notes as he does. I don't do this anymore. I got too much shit for doing it. It's more dangerous to do as a realtor, believe it or not. But he actually puts his Facebook live calls on. So if you're one of those people that like to listen to real deal calls on how to set an appointment, he shares that and he posts it right there in that Facebook group. It's a really fun thing to watch. I'll, sometimes he'll be doing it and I'll stop whatever the hell I'm doing. I'll just tune right in. Cause it's kind of, that's like our sports, right? Like, Oh, how's that? It's probably going to get this one, you know, and, click on it and watch. And my, and I'm not the best at it to be, you know, you can listen to the way I talk and you know, but you know, it, it doesn't matter. You're better at it than you, most. You just yeah. do it. You know, you just get someone all those years, it, it, you know, you just get to get someone to answer the phone and that's it. And they got to have in the, of course they got to have a re- need. And you got to figure that out and boom, boom, boom. <laughs> it's awesome. Well, thank you, Todd. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Appreciate it. Folks, Thanks. Todd Chun, com. You can email him, Todd at bestinvestllc.com. Or you can text him, 248-497-9195. Go ahead and reach out, get added to his buyer's list. If you want to do private lending, you're looking for a deal, whatever it is you're looking for, go ahead and reach out. Um, I think you will benefit from it, potentially. He does a lot of different stuff, and he's a good person to know. All right, folks, I really appreciate you tuning in. Guess what? So for 2019, I got my shit back together. I worked my ass off in 2018. I ended up getting back surgery, a ton of shit. I'll do a podcast on it too. So basically my life was ruined for six months and kind of delayed me getting my podcast back up and going. And I'm glad I'm doing it. I just such a good time sitting here. We're talking with Todd. I know you guys are listening and been bothering me to do it some more. So I hope you enjoy it. And you know, it's coming as I wrap up this podcast. I do want to take a moment to encourage you to take the steps you need to become financially independent. You turn on the news and see that shit show. Yeah. Yeah. That's your pension. That's your social security. That's your fucking medical health care, right? You feeling all warm and fuzzy. I don't care what side you're on. It looks like a shit show, right? You don't even have to pick a side. Here's what I think you should do. Do your own thing. I know they're distractions, mistakes, poisonous people. I've got my ass kicked lots of times. I'm going to get Todd at some point. We'll come back and we'll do like a best wreck something. I don't know. Maybe we get five or six guys together. We all do like a best wreck podcast or something. We could just get it out like the deals that we got smashed on or mistakes we made, you know, anyway, I want you to pick a goal, stick with it. Don't give up and do something every day that gets you closer to your goals. Even if it's one step, if you're interested in attending the meetings, go to meetup.com forward slash renegade Detroit investors, uh, or you can go to facebook.com forward slash Detroit investment club. Thanks for listening. I really appreciate your attention. Till the next podcast or meeting, crush it.